Welcome to Across the Park Podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, produced by six mates, the three Reds, Gary, Phil and Terry, and the three Blues, myself, Millsy, Judgy and Craig. Each Monday, we release our latest show, where we discuss the ongoing matters with both teams, whether it be good or bad, opposing views, opinions, banter and debate. We are proud to be a family-friendly football podcast, and you can find more about us on our website, www.acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show on your preferred podcast listening app, and make sure you give us a follow on our social media. Twitter is Across the Park PC, Instagram is Across the Park PC, and Facebook search Across the Park. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Across the Park Extra. I think it's fair to say it's a it's an Everton FC special. This one, myself Millsy, alongside Judgy of the Two Blues. We do have Phil with us as one of the Reds to sort of even it out, if you will. And we're delighted to be joined by this man. Where? What a goal! David Where? Stephen Davis floats the corner in, and David Where was in the thick of it, and he's claiming it. Well, as you can tell by the commentary clips there, we're delighted to be joined by a legend at Scotland's Rangers, Falkirk, Hearts, but more importantly to us, an Everton legend, ex-captain David Weir. David, thanks for joining us across the park extra. Nice to be here, thank you. Well, we're gonna we're obviously gonna run heavily through your your Everton career, David, throughout the podcast, being a being an Everton Liverpool podcast. Um, but I, I just want to start by asking you a, a few questions about the your time in America, which was it seems like where it all started for you. Yeah. How did that come about? Because I suppose back in those days, it wasn't as common for players to go over there and start the the footballing career, if you like. No, it was really unusual, and I was I probably wasn't good enough at the time to be a pro, so. I was half thinking about going to university and wanted to be a football player and I got this opportunity. I was playing for Scotland schoolboys under 18s and I was at a tournament in England and the American coach was over and he said to me, do you fancy coming to America? And I was like, that is the perfect thing for me at the stage of my life, you know, going to 18 year old, getting a chance <laughs> to go to America. Yeah. Never been abroad before in my life, never <laughs> been an aeroplane in my life and thinking, yeah, this is for me. So gave me this opportunity, says, I'll come up and meet your mum and dad. Came up and met my mum and dad, dad a couple of li- days later and, you know, it happened really quickly and it just it's just like y- you'll know yourself when you know something's right for you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, you just go for it and I've always kind of been a little bit like that and um, off I went a couple of months later and had four years there, had a great time. So 1988 to 1992, um, Following up from that, obviously, when you come back from from Indiana, uh-huh. that bit <laughs> in the end, uh, you went on to Falkirk. Talk us through how that move came about. And well, I came back from America. I probably wouldn't have came back from America if I'm being honest. If there was a full door, full time outdoor league there, but at the time there was only an indoor league. And uh, me being <laughs> me, it probably wasn't suited to me indoor. <laughs> so I decided <laughs> I had to come back to to Scotland, England, to play football. I wrote letters to a lot of clubs and had a few c- trials organised in England. Remember Leeds. Um, offered me a trial so I was getting yeah. ready to go down there but I'd gone home in the summer so in the break between the end of the season in America and the start of the season in, in the UK and I was just at home and my dad says you need to go and do something you need to get training so unbeknown to me he phoned my local club which was Falkirk and asked if I could go and train with them so it, um, they says yes 
So I went down the Monday morning, just started training. I was 22, 23, and I was just in with the, the YTS boys, as it was at the time, so 17, 18-year-olds in the dressing room. But I was lo I loved it, and I was in there for about a week, two weeks, played a couple of games, trained, did quite well, and they offered me a contract. So I had this opportunity, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks to sign a contract or wait for a trial, so... I just what had happened to, to the MLS then? Because oh, the MLS wasn't wasn't yeah. anywhere near oh, that what time. What was it that Pele was in and all that? Was that? Yeah, it was like the NASL. There's oh been right. different incarnations. He has a few. He has a few goals at it, didn't he? Yeah, I think it was like 2007 when the MLS was formed eventually. Ah, right, okay. And, and it was, as I say, it was um, it was quite a long time coming. He has a few pops at it, but commercially yeah. the MLS didn't come out till 2007. No, okay. yeah. But yeah, no, I, I love stories like that. I mean, there, there certainly isn't wasn't so many when I was growing up where lads were actually. Almost knocking on the door physically, writing yeah. letters, and That's how you know, it credit to you for for the way you've gone about it, and, and obviously you had you made some some impact in the end. 133 games, eight goals between '92 and and 1996, and obviously then made the move onto onto Hearts. But was that at the time? And again, was that was that a step up for you at the time? Was yeah, it? Yeah, it was. I'd probably stayed at Falkirk for too long. Looking back, uh, it was my local club. I'd kind of got stale a little bit, and. Um, I had opportunities to move that never really came off. I had interest from Rangers and Bolton and Liverpool and different clubs at the time, and it just never happened for, for whatever reason. So I was probably getting a bit stagnant at Falkirk, and it was actually the Falkirk manager left to go to Hearts. So throughout my career, I, you know, I played... Jim Jeffries, was it? Jim Jeffries, yeah. yeah. There was only two managers ever signed me. I don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing, but <laughs> Jim Jeffries and Walter Smith were the only two managers that signed me. So he moved through and he made it obvious that he wanted to take me through. So um, over the next few months of him getting there, he, he made it clear that he wanted me to join him. And I was, I was really keen to go and do it because it was a progression. And I, it was an opportunity. At Falkirk, it's hard to play for Scotland. If you go to Hearts, then you've got a much better chance. And that yeah. was sort of one of, my, one of my goals at the time. Well, you say that it was it was only really Walter Smith and, and Jeffries that signed you. It almost wasn't the case, I believe, before you, you came to Everton. There was there was links, I guess, and, and you actually spent a little bit of time at the other the other side across <laughs> the park as well, I believe, before. I did, yeah. I had a week at Liverpool when I was probably about 23, 24, around about that time. Roy Evans was the manager, and um, Ron Yates was the chief scout, and he really liked me, and um, I think he was pushing to sign me, and I think Liverpool had a few on the radar at, at the time, so I was one of a few. I came down, spent a week there, and trained with Jamie Redknapp, and um, Steve McManaman and Neil Ruddock and that that was kind of the crew at the time and loved it and um, you know I thought this was a really good opportunity but it never happened again. Didn't fancy the night reason. out. <laughs> 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 but it was um, I went I ended up going back up to to Falkirk signed for Hearts and then when I was at Hearts there was interest again from Liverpool. Ron Yates was still around. He was pushing my case I think, but um, they travelled up to watch me. I'll never forget it. One game it's a home against Dundee for Hearts. I think the manager Phil Thompson. Um, Ron Yates and I think it was somebody else came as well and I got sent off after about five minutes <laughs> and oh. so that was kind of <laughs> and, and that, that was fate that. it was fate so luckily for us luckily for us as Evertonians that didn't, <laughs> that didn't happen absolutely yeah so y y you eventually went on to sign from Hearts for 250,000 on a three and a half year deal um, you stated at the time, again, just to reiterate, you said Liverpool were definitely interested in you a link with them, but haven't have come in. You've made, they've made the offer, and you're more than happy to come here. Walter Smith went on, uh, went on record to say that they tr tried to sign you on a pre-contract as well, uh -huh. from um, to come to Everton next season. But like all clubs at the time, he felt that maybe Hearts were having a bit of difficulty, and the two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. at the time was it was you know was still a lot of money. It was it a big was. deal to them as a club. It was at that time because. 
that was right at the start of the Bosman sort of time. So I think I came in February. So I had like three months left in my contract. So Hearts weren't in a strong position in terms of, of negotiating. And as I said, when I make my mind up, I'm quite like that. So I'd made my mind up I wanted to come to Everton. Everton was a, a great club, a historical club, with a great name, traditionally Scottish players. It was, you know, relatively logistically, it was it was relatively easy from Scotland to get up and down for your family and things like that. So there was a lot of plus points. And Walter Smith as a manager, who was a legend in Scotland, I was a Rangers fan. He was a an icon in the Rangers Much hierarchy. So it was it was perfect for me and I just knew I wanted to do it. So Jim Jeffries would have been great for me. You know, I was prepared to follow out him just to, to make <laughs> the opportunity and he made that clear as well as we you know as the things progress. Brilliant. Um so just in terms of your um the the move itself and the decision to leave Hearts, obviously you've said once the bid was accepted <coughs> how's the how quickly does it happen? What was the um, well, I'd made my mind up. I was in the car. I'd met Walter, and as far as I was concerned, it was done. And Jim Jeffries called me and says, um, where are you? I says, I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm not, I never said I was with Walter. I said, I'm on my way to Liverpool. He says, you can't go to Liverpool yet. We've not agreed um, the deal. I says, well, you better agree the deal because I'm Cause going. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's done, and I'm, you know, I'm not coming back. And I, like, I'm not that type of person. I'm not. I'm yeah, yeah. very respectful of what Jim did for me, and I had a great time at Hearts, and we won the Scottish Cup, was which was an unbelievable day and yeah. an unbelievable experience. So I wasn't, I didn't want to leave in bad terms. But as often as the case when players leave clubs, you sometimes you've got to put your foot down. And I was, I knew I wanted to go to Everton. I was determined to do it. So I just had to do what whatever it took. Amazing. Um, so in terms of your your debut, you came on for John Oster in a five five nil win over over Middlesbrough. Yeah. I'm going to test you now, do you, do you remember what position you come on? Obviously, you come on for John Oster, do you remember those? I remember right sort of right wing back <laughs> as, a, as a position. I also remember I should have scored. I remember I had a header, I headed it down, I think it went over the bar. At yeah. the Gladys Street, wasn't it? At the Gladys yeah. Street, yeah. yeah. I don't think I ever scored at the Gladys Street, and that was probably my best chance, to yeah. be honest, in the whole time I was there. But uh, again, your, your next <coughs> game, you came on uh, again for Oster. Bit of, bit of a uh, trim developing here, I'm not sure <laughs> who you wanted out here. Away at Leeds, and three days later, in, in a 1-0. 1-0 defeat, again as a right midfielder. Were you, th were you not thinking, what, what's going on here? Is he Sammy's a, a right midfielder I, here? I wasn't bothered. I just, like, I've always been the, the same. I just like playing and I, wasn't, I didn't care about where I was playing or who I was playing with or what the position was. I just, I just loved playing. I mean, when I was in America, I was actually a forward. Scored a lot of goals as a centre forward and then came back and started as a forward. Jim Jeffrey said, try being a centre back. I was like, no problem, played as a centre back. Us. So, just it's like mm. playing the part with your mates, you know. You just play where wherever wherever you're asked to play, and it, it didn't didn't matter to me. I can remember playing one game for Everton, centre midfield. I think it was at Blackburn, and it was the two centre midfielders on the day were myself and David Unsworth. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen we've seen a lot of them. Slavin yeah. Bilic has filled in a few times. That where Bakayoko scored a couple of goals was it? On a, on a I'm not sure. I can't remember. That. I just remember yeah. parts of it, and like that sticks out like a sore thumb. I can't remember the result. Looking to your left, going, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, we were wondering where we had a right wing back, a right midfielder, a centre mid, or a centre half. We we didn't really uh, know what we were getting, but we knew you weren't a centre forward because we were in trouble last season. It wasn't until Kevin Campbell came in in, in yeah. March 1999 that it really sort of saved Everton. He scored nine and eight. Can you remember the time of oh Kevin yeah. coming in and I can. The Kevin impact? and Scott Scott Gemmell as well. Yeah, at the same that, yeah. time, and Kev gets all the headlines and rightly. So, but Scott had a big contribution as well. Those yeah. two signings were, you know, we were up against it. It was a difficult time. You know, in my initial Everton career, it was fighting relegation and it was staying in the league and don't be involved in the team that take Everton down. And, mm. you know, there was a lot of pressure associated with that and the club was financially was in 
a bad state. Yeah. Walter was doing a lot of dealings behind the scenes, dealing with the bank manager and, and the financial side of the club and just keeping the club flo afloat. Yeah. So, you know, there was big pressure on the whole club and staying in the league was, you know, was a success, believe it or not. And yeah. Kevin and Scott and, you know, I a few others obviously. I'm glad you made that point about Scott Gemmell because yeah. I always thought over that over that period of time he didn't really get the credit yeah. he deserved. I mean, he, a lot of the fans remember him as the sideways, sideways midfielder when he put... Yeah. But at times, uh, certainly, uh, again, skipping the skipping forward seasons, I remember yeah. the game was those games against Arsenal and Chelsea. I think he set up the, yeah. the couple yeah. of goals on, yeah. on those occasions. He's a very underrated player. Yeah. He's a friend of mine, so I'm probably biased, but <laughs> he's a very underrated player. He played in that great Forest team, you know. He played Absolutely, some great yeah. players. Played in, you know, he played in the Hillsborough game, you know, yeah. and he played in games like that where, you know, he, d he didn't realise he was of that generation. So yeah. he was very young in the team and played in a great Forest team and contributed, you know, a big amount to to Everton as well, so and Scotland, and you know, had a great career. Bobby but Kevin was outstanding. You know, Kevin just um, kind of took the the club on his shoulders in yeah. terms of the goal scoring and lifted the full club. And the fans identified with him, and he was, a, you know, he was a massive part of us. What yeah. he did at the end of that season. By the way, Scott, you're welcome anytime when you listen to Absolutely, this. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about Kevin Campbell, the two important goals he scored was against Coventry at home. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not. Marco Matarazzi was sent off, and he, yeah, was, I do. he was crying on the touchline. I remember it, yeah. Can you remember I thinking, do. what, you know, what's going on here? I do. I, I remember thinking it. You know, he was a fantastic player, yeah. Marco, but very typical Italian, very emotional, very. Um, you, you know, ha very high or or yeah. very low. There wasn't a lot in between, and obviously that was a you know a big moment for him. And yeah. he was he was embarrassed, and you know he didn't want to go off. He didn't want to be sent off, and I think we ended up dragging him off. But Kev scored a lot of important goals, but yeah. um, that being definitely being one of them. Alan Myers was on the show at Christmas yeah. time, and he said that Walter made him go and get Marco Matarazzi, and he thought, oh God, you know this 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 <laughs> winds up here, but. I mean, finally closing out that that season, you were playing alongside the course the Matarattis against the Shearers. Could you yeah. could you feel the big jump at that point from Scotland to England? Yeah, definitely. Every every game you played, you were up against a a top player. That's yeah. how it felt. And the Shearers and Sheringhams, the Ferdinands, yeah. the Robbie Keynes. I mean, these are all just Tottenham players, yeah. <laughs> Newcastle <laughs> players. You know, so every team you played against, there was like a top striker, and that's how it felt. I'd, I was genuine, as I said, I was just loving being in the Premier League, loving, mm. I was like a fan playing, you yeah. know, it was great for me, and playing with great players as well, yeah. and playing with John Collins, and people you'd only watched, and Matarazzi, yeah. and... So, does that, sorry, evolve your own game? Did you feel your own, you know, your own level go yeah. up, going when you started playing against that type of uh, opposition? Me, ma me, myself, I was all, I always adjusted to, the t so I started in America, came to Falkirk, and Hearts, and... Mm. Then got involved in Scotland and then came to Everton and you're playing with players and against, with good players and against good players and I always kind of adjusted to it. I always mm. was finding my feet and gaining confidence and saying, oh, I can do this, I can I can play at this level and probably not being the most confident of players initially but realising once you were there that you could deal with it and yeah. I think that, that was a lesson to me thinking, you know, what, what is your limit? Yeah. Do you ever like remember a moment where like, Maybe you played against a certain striker, worried about it, handled him and thought, I've arrived, actually. No, I never. still don't think I've arrived. <laughs> 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 I just, I, I wasn't made like that. I was always, I think as a defender, mm. you always think the worst. You're always expecting something to happen. You can't, you never relax. You yeah. never, so as soon as you do relax against players at that level, they're going to score. And I always remember Sheringham, we were playing against, I'm sure it was at Tottenham at the time, and I had these boots on, I had these feeler boots on. I'm thinking these are great. I was obviously getting paid for them because I wouldn't <laughs> have bought them <laughs> otherwise. And I've got these boots on and sharing them, saying, "What, 
what boots are they, mate? What, where did you get them? <laughs> and I like looked at my boots, and then as soon as I looked, they moved, and they played a free kick, and he got a shot, and I'm like, it's funny you say that because Carragher recently said like he didn't enjoy playing any of the games in his career because he was just so switched oh, on all the time. You like don't. I don't think you enjoy them as a defender. Yeah. I don't. And the older you get, the more you worry because you've had more experiences of things going wrong. Yeah. Or you can have 89 minutes. Yeah. Doing really well as a defender, you have switch off, switch off, yeah. or you make a mistake and you've had a bad game. Yeah. So that's the reality of being a defender. It's the life of a defender. You just expect the worst. Yeah. So you, you he's a you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds very familiar. Yeah. Well, moving on to the 99 and 2000 season, you've obviously got, you certainly got a lot more experience in that season. 35 appearances, two goals. You actually made m- more appearances than any other player except Nick Barnby that season. Mm-hmm. Richard Goff was brought in during the, the, the pre-season of 99 and, and you, you formed a pretty solid partnership with, with Richard. W- what was that like playing with Goffey at that time? And, and you know, obviously we, we all looked at his age and thought, yeah. well, what's going on here? But, I mean, I, I can speak season, as a fan. Yeah. As yeah. a fan, after two games, I was like, wow. Yeah. It, it was, again, being a Rangers fan and Richard Goff was a, an Legend. icon for me, nine in a row and involved in me watching Rangers in the, the sort of peak years and I was thinking what a great opportunity to get the chance to meet him far, lo- far less play with him so <laughs> getting the opportunity you know, Walter Smith is managing your team Richard Goff's playing in the team it was Living a dream scenario for me yeah but I learned a lot physically how he looked after himself how he you know how he lived his life how he lived day to day you know he was, a, he was a complete professional and I learned a lot from that and it was him Dave Watson as well yeah. at the time who was at the club who was older than Richard actually and was still contributing still playing um, here and there, and um, it enabled me to play longer in my career. I, I thoroughly believe that, that I saw it was possible. I saw what they did to, to stay in the condition and, and make themselves available. Well, to be fair, Michael Ball said the same thing when he came in. He said, you know, the likes of yourself and Goffey, he looked around at the way you mm. kind of lived your lives, and, and for the younger players coming in, it was like, and I think he, I think he said when he came in a pre-season, come back to pre-season and Goffey turns up who's like 37, oh, 38 and he, and he outran everyone. Yeah. You're like, th- this is this is the level here, you know, yeah. if, if he's looking after himself at that age, yeah. I need to try and try and up, up, you know, up my game. And yeah. Waggy as well, I think, you know, don't underestimate him as well, how fit he was and how well he looked after himself and probably, you know, doesn't get the credit. He had a great career, obviously, him yeah. and, um, but latterly he was, he was, very, very good as well, and you know, put yourself on the line a lot of times when he was probably, you know, right towards the end of his career. No, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, I suppose as Evertonians, we, we look back at Waggy's earlier years mm-hmm. and the teams he was course, playing, yeah. and he, he went through a very tough, tough spell, didn't he, with it, th- with Everton, to be fair. In, yeah. yeah, but uh, st- sticking on the golf theme, um, y- you were on the pitch for a game at home to Southampton, I don't know if you recall it, and there was a bit of a bust up between. Goffey and, and Donatjusson. I mean, Donatjusson yeah. liked it, liked to bust up it seems. But yeah. um, do you recall that? And, and was there any? I don't. Re- I don't recall the incident. But to be fair, Don had the bust up with most people. No, just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at some stage in the in the time. And Don Don's a great guy. I actually yeah. played in a, a charity game Saturday, and Don was Blackpool? there. Yeah, Blackpool, Blackpool, yeah, Blackpool, yeah. And um, he's always he's the same Don. You know, he's always just he's chirpy and he probably says too much. Even in the game, he's like he's <laughs> Megs, and you know, he's still got all the all the same <laughs> stuff. Got a lot but going on. He's a good guy, and he's just emotional. He wears his heart's on his sleeve, and he sometimes I think he spoke before he probably thought about it, but he yeah. said it for the right reasons. And, and Goffey would just Goffey put him in his place straight back at you. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't stand for anything. And Goffey was Walter's <coughs> man as well. Yeah. you know they had a close relationship, so he would be, you know, definitely on that side of the camp as well. Mm. Brilliant. There was some there was some uh, you know really memorable results in the, in that season in particular. West Ham away four yeah. nil. Uh, we've got Sunderland's own five nil. Of course, the four four. 
game with yeah. Leeds at Goodison, which you obviously got the fourth, which yeah. which was your first goal for Everton. Do you remember what were your memories of that game? Because it was, it was I a just remember game with the fans. it was right in the, the all the trouble that was going on with Leeds as well, yeah. wasn't it? In terms of the players and there was th- you know a lot of off the field stuff and yeah. it was it just felt like a big game. Yeah. And l- as I said, every game I felt like I was playing in the Premier League at that time. It was new strikers. It was big names. It was you know I might be getting the times wrong, but Leeds you know during my time playing, there was Viduka, there was Keane, there was Hasselbank, there was Alan Smith, there was, yeah. you know, there was endless, th- Robbie Fowler, endless amounts of strikers who, you know, they just got better and better and you're, you're up against these people and that game was just end to end, we were up, we were down and then, uh, you know, what we sco- I scored a header towards the end of the game and it was just like, you know, everything had happened in that one game but it was a great moment for me. I'm not saying I'm not sure it was the cleanest header in the world. It probably looked better than what it was, but ended up in the net. And it wasn't bad, yeah. I was, bad, I was sliding into the corner. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in the park and behind the behind right yeah. behind the goal as well. Remember, that was yeah. cracking moment. One of our best moments as supporters that season is there's the one 0 win at Anfield. Kevin yeah. Campbell scoring at the cop end. So where yeah. you are six months into your Premiership career and you win at Anfield. Can exactly. you remember that night? I do. I remember it well, and that was my first derby as well. So I'm thinking. They're all going to be like that, you know. Yeah. We're going to win here. <laughs> we're going to win here regularly, and I keep getting keep getting asked back on Sky, and I keep getting, you know, doing interviews about yeah. about that game because obviously it's the last time yeah. we beat them there in the league, and it's it's almost twenty years. It's incredible, but that was a great game as well, and again, top strikers, great atmosphere, um, big game, and you know, we came out on top, and it was it was a special occasion. Franny and Kevin and. Hutch and John Collins and yeah. you know it was it was a good Liverpool team as well. It ends with Staunton and goal. Steve Staunton and goal, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for Liverpool. Yeah, did did Michael Owen catch you with a bad one? In that yeah, game, yeah, was that that game as well? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was a bad tackle. Yeah, and really bad tackle. He had a bit of that about him, Michael Owen, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. Did you drop words? Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the return game at Goodison was was a bizarre one. It was Sands of Estrella booted the ball at Don Hutchison I as it was rolling that. in. Graham Pole blue. Now looking back at that, you were one of the players who surrounds a pole. Yeah. Can you remember what he was saying to the lads after that? Or I can't remember what he was saying. I know what I was saying, but you know, cause <laughs> I, it, <laughs> but it was uh, as far as I was concerned, it's a clear goal. You yeah. know, it was right on half time. Was it? It was, was full time. That was the very, the very last yeah. whistle. Very last he blew his yeah. whistle as the ball was on its way yeah. into the goal. Yeah. Nah, it was just it was incredible. I couldn't see why I hadn't given that. No. So it was so angry in the crowd oh that night. <laughs> no, it was. It was terrific. So t- two more questions from that season. Anyway, um, th- there was a, a, f- a partnership that started to, f- to form that year. Obviously, almost starting with that game in Anfield, and it was Franny Jeffers and Kevin Campbell. Yeah. Could you see that forming on the training ground? Was that something I suppose in your training games were you thinking? It was that kind of chemistry about them, or it was just something that it wasn't so much chemistry between the two of them. I, we, we didn't really train like that. It wasn't like we'd train eleven v eleven, and they would always be together. But you could see the quality in Franny in terms of being a younger lad, and you know where his strengths lay. And left foot, right foot, fantastic finisher, good, great movement, and good pace. So he had really good qualities. And then Kev was, you know, slightly different, more robust, was a bit unorthodox, but understood the game and was a good team player and would help the younger players and help the players around about him. So th- there was a real good sort of balance in the way they, they reacted. And Kev takes a lot of credit for that because he would identify Franny and see that he could help him and you know keep him on the straight and narrow and keep him on the pitch doing the right thing. So I think that worked really well for the two of them. They obviously had respect for each other in different ways. And it, w- it wasn't really on the training ground every day, but I think you could see it in the games because they were both intelligent, intelligent footballers and they could had an idea of the game. I think Don as well, Hutchison behind. Yeah, yeah. It w- he kind of had the... He was like the number 10, wasn't he? Almost yeah, getting in between the lines. And, 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 and their and move. Ke- Franny's movement in particular was great. And Kev was a great finisher and he was in a 
you know, in a hot spell at that time as well. So it was a real good mix and you know, good a good variety as well. Definitely. Was Fanny a, com a confident player? Even he was younger, around the lads like yourself, confident. older players, yeah. Yeah, too confident probably. <laughs> 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 but no, a great lad and obviously a, a scouser as well, an Evertonian, yeah. which is which is great. It's always good to have some local lads running about the club. I think it helps everybody within the club and, and on the terraces that can see yeah. some of their own and you know, through the good and the bad, I think they know that the these lads are trying and they're telling the rest of the players what it means to the fans and, yeah. and the supporters and I, th I think that's a great thing. I think Everton need that. Yeah. Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, going back to Donny, he was one of those players who, who almost wore his heart and his sleeve and, and, and he did have a, quite a good relationship with the fans as well. Uh -huh. Towards the end of that season, there was a, seemed to be a public bust-up between himself and Walter and obviously yeah. going back to people he's had bust-ups with. Do you remember what was behind that? Were, were you aware of it? Was it was it yeah, something that the players I kind I think of? It, not really. The players get on with it. The players yeah. understand. Like Don, it was contractual. Don, yeah. I think wanted a new contract. Felt right. he deserved more money. Mm. Yeah. And probably said it to Walter. And as I said, Don, Don's an emotional guy who would yeah. say what he was thinking. And Walter was an emotional guy who would say <laughs> what he was thinking. But there's only going to be one winner in that situation. And yeah. once you you cross the line with Walter, there's you know the, there's no going back. So or Archie. Exactly. <laughs> he was so dropped, wasn't he, after that? He was dropped he for would, a few yeah, games, yeah. He would, and that, that's not a surprise to me because that's how Walter works. Yeah. He's very respectful, but if you cross that line or you, he feels like you've gone too far, then he's the boss. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he showed that by his team selection and, and how it panned out. Well, moving on to the 2000-2001 season, you racked up even more appearances in that season, 42 appearances, <laughs> one goal. Um Significant thing for me, looking looking back at that season at the start of it in particular, it was the retirement of, of Dave Watson, um, which then meant that you went to number five yeah. from number 14. Is that something, as it, I mean, I know just playing at, at any level for me, that the number is almost symbolic of, of your position in the club. And was it, was, it, was it a good feeling for you to get that number five? It or was, was it just a... I think, as you say, it's more symbolic. It, yeah. At the end of the day, it's on your back and it's just a number, but I just think it... It shows to you the importance that the manager's put in you and Jimmy Martin, the kit man, we would say you're you're number five this year, Piers lad. You know, it was yeah. like that. It wasn't yeah. it like a ceremonial thing whereby you you know, you're you're going and asking but I certainly never asked for it and yeah. it wasn't a big ceremony when you got it, but it made me feel good and that's that can obviously help you. It gives you confidence and as a footballer <coughs> confidence is a massive thing. So Absolutely. that showed to me that the club had a bit of faith in me and the famous players that had wore that number in the past, I was aware of that, so that made me try and cherish that and try and make the most of it. Not that I didn't anyway, you know, yeah. with number 14 or number 18 as I was at the yeah. start, but number five, it was a nice At feel. least we definitely knew where you were going to play then. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, it was a bit of a hectic hectic summer, to be fair. Nick Barnby uh, left the club, John Collins, Donatjeson. We brought in Pistoni, Steve Watson, Thomas Gravison, Alex Niarco, Nicholas Alexanderson, Duncan Ferguson and Paul Gascoigne. Um, we had we had Michael Ballin uh, um, and Alan Myers who on previous shows as well, and they've they've spoke about the the famous move of, of Nick Barnby going across the park because not many players have done that, and particularly a player who was in the form that Nick that Nick was in, obviously playing yeah. for England over that yeah. that summer as well. What were your I know, I know obviously not being a, a scout or as such, and I suppose an Evertonian, a born Evertonian. What were your feelings on the move? Was it was it just a professional kind of look? I think when you're in the dressing room, you. Like I liked Nick, I got on well with him, and yeah. I, I thought as a player, every time he was on the pitch, he gave everything. And yeah. I thought, he, and that that for me is a hallmark. Yeah, of course, judge players, you know that's that's the most important thing. And I think well, he was at Everton, he gave everything, and he, he loved his time at Everton. I, I'm not sure he wanted to leave Everton. I don't know the background. You're not the only it. one who said that. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but you know, circumstances being what they are, 
he eventually ended up leaving, and I could, I understood it. I think, like I'm from Scotland, so the equivalent is going for Rangers to Celtic, yeah. Celtic to Rangers. So it doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. So I was shocked in terms of where he went, but not surprised they wanted him, and he, he was a top player. Absolutely. Yeah. So and he went and and he did well there, and you know we we missed him, but Everton at the time were selling club really yeah. we, we, we were a buying club and a selling club we seem yeah. to be bringing players in good turning players over, weren't we? turning, turning over, over players all the time so you know looking now it looks like it was a really unusual thing but at the time you wouldn't have ruled anything out yeah no I mean obviously we'll move on to the the, the, get the game or I think the first game that, that Nick uh, played against Everton after it was there any, was there any word says in jest in banter or was it just kind of all right Nick how's like it going? That. You're, prof- yeah. prof- you're a player, you're a professional. Yeah. It's your job, and you're obviously emotional when you want to win, and that's the key thing. But I, I had too much respect for Nick to be honest. Nick was a good professional, and as I said, he was he was top while he was with us. So I I couldn't fault. Brilliant. I mean, in terms of one of the players who come in that summer, the the the, the name that sticks out is is Paul Gascoigne, yeah. of course. What was it like having Gazza coming into the club and what well kinds of impact did he have on the Again, on the another hero of mine, you know, yeah. being a Rangers fan, I keep talking about that, but I was and um having watched Gaza at his best, in my opinion, at his best up there, winning leagues and winning cups and winning games on his own and playing in games where he's seen him score that goal in Scotland. Yeah, <laughs> that one as well, yeah. <laughs> but again, played in the cup final for Hearts against Rangers and in the second half he won the game. He won the game in 10, 15 minutes. So I had him on a pedestal. So then to get the chance to, to get to know him, train him every day and, and play with him. And he was past his best at the time. And I'm sure he'd admit that. But yeah. he still saw flashes and on occasions games whereby he was at the level that we all remember him for being. And we all kind of think about him as being at that level. But it wasn't as often. But he still yeah. saw it. And it was, it, was a, it was a great experience for me. And even just to, you know, to know him and to consider him a friend was, you know, it was a real highlight in my career. Brilliant. Well, that that summer 2000, like like Judge said, there was was very hectic. But we actually brought two left backs in, Alessandro Pistoni and Gary Naismith, which towards us fans signalled the end of Michael Ball. Yeah. Uh, but in November, injury crisis, Michael Ball moved next to you as centre yeah. half. Were you surprised how, how good a centre half he was? And looking back at that partnership between yourselves, um, I wouldn't say I was surprised because I think he had the characteristics. Ball, particularly now, you know, now a modern day centre half would be perfect because he was so yeah. good on the yeah. ball. He was so calm. He was. Ag- he could be aggressive. He could win his. He won his headers. He w- he wasn't six feet three or anything, mm. but he was never really Mascarano out type centre back. Yeah, he was, and he yeah. was. He wasn't the quickest, but he was never beat for pace, and he understood the game. So, again, he was a good footballer, Bolly. So yeah. he could ca- he could play in a number of positions, and I w- I wouldn't have saw him as a centre half, but very quickly playing with him at centre half, you could see how. You know, he could go and make a, a good job of that. You teams to seem to complement each other, really, like a really good partnership. Mm-hmm. You'd win maybe the aerial duels and then Borley would sort of... Yeah. It was a really good partnership for us, that. I think that's what, what I learned as a defender is you and your partner, and usually it was a back four at the time, Yeah. Um, you, you've got to have an understanding. You know, I think Stubbsy and I were the same. We, you know, we had our faults, we had our, um, our qualities, but we looked after each other, and I think yeah. that's the sign of a good defender, you know, that you've got a good partnership particularly central defenders that you work together and you you cover each other's weaknesses mistakes and you know and you try and highlight the strengths so I think Bolly and I were on the same li- wavelength on the pitch maybe yeah. not off the pitch but definitely <laughs> on the pitch I feel <laughs> as though he's, had, he's both had the, the right level of aggression as well I don't think anyone's ever said you were an over the top aggressive player 
but you're aggressive when you needed yeah. to be. And I think Borley was the same in, in that respect. Yeah. You know, he kind of had that tenacity. Yeah. But but he but he was also able to read the game yeah. pretty well as well. I think that's that's a good point. I think you've got to have a lid on it. I think you've got to be aggressive, but you've also got to be in control. Yeah. And that's that's the fine line whereby you, you just go up to the line but you try not to cross it because obviously if you cross it you're you're giving away too many fouls, you're getting sent off or you're causing your team a problem. So I was I was aggressive but I'd like to think I was controlled in it and just getting up to the edge rather than crossing the line too often. Well in fairness, Phil Phil actually asked us before we come to the studio, being a red, he said, you know, was he was he a bit of a was he a hard case Davey way? And I said, <laughs> I don't know, I, I wouldn't call him a hard case but he never, he never backed out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, I can, I can definitely remember a few bandages on it at the time. <laughs> so he definitely put his head in there. And that season, no, that, that 2000, 2001 season, it was a bit of a bit of a strange one because we started with so much optimism as fans, yeah. new signings coming in, but the results that season, yeah. Tramia beating us, yeah. Liverpool done us twice, City 5-0. Yeah. If you looking back and you remember being optimistic and then what you put it down to? Was it too many injuries? Was it too much of an overhaul, a bit of both? I'm not really sure. It's difficult to... It's difficult to say. It's just sometimes the chemistry clicks and you get a bit of momentum, you get a bit of confidence, and then you ride that wave. And then sometimes the opposite happens, whereby you never really get going. There's maybe too many changes. There's you, you, the unmentionable things, you know, things that you're you're not really sure about, and it just it just doesn't happen for that group of players. It's a real fine line between mm. being successful and and not being successful. And at that season, we we didn't get the chemistry right and that very quickly affects confidence and confidence is a massive part of football yeah. being you know believing in your teammates believing in yourself and believing you're going on the pitch with a good chance of winning yeah remember the injuries as well last season I think we had Paul Gascoigne Francis Jeffers Duncan Ferguson and Richard Goff all on long term injuries yeah. and there's four players who would be, yeah. be starters but two points from last season before we move on to the the 2001 season, Paolo Di Canio catching the ball at the yeah, park end. I think I you were that. you were trying to cover Paul Gerrard, who just yeah. gone down. It was it was an um, incredible moment that it was spontaneous by him, yeah. and his eyes must have lit up because it was a certain goal when the game was tight. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a game where we were leading or they were leading, or it was it was it yeah. was a tight game. I can't remember exactly. It was one 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 one. That was quite late. That was quite late on. Yeah, as well, yeah. So it was a big moment in the season, and for him to do that, you know, it was some gesture, and it was. He got applauded for it at the time, and he got you know the credit he deserved for it. But it, was, it says a lot about him in terms of his character and his compassion for you know what was quite a, a significant how injury. How good for was Paul. he? How good was he, David? Because I, I was watching a few videos yeah. of him a couple of days ago, and he I forgot how good he was to yeah, be honest. He was special, yeah. Again yeah. in Scotland, playing against him and and seeing him, and he was he was fantastic. His technical ability was was out of this world, yeah. and again faster than I thought as well. Looking at that he, video. Had he had loads of good yeah. qualities, and again, we're talking about getting up to that line. He would often go across the line. Yeah, you know, that's how he was. <laughs> yeah, but he was also super talented in terms of his his technical ability, and you know, and the things he could do, free kicks, set pieces, and, yeah. and just general play. Well, the tail end of that season was a it was a strange one at Highbury that we lost four one and. A supporter came on the pitch and yeah. confronted Alex Nyarko. Yeah. Nyarko asked to be substituted, then he yeah. seemed to disappear. Can you remember yeah. that? I remember it, yeah, I remember it happening and I remember the game and um obviously a difficult game for us and Alex was getting a bit of stick and yeah, I'm not saying he was the worst. There was mm. there was plenty of people who could have been confronted by the supporters and the supporters were angry and rightly so. But Alex didn't handle it well and almost disappeared after that and because yeah. again he was a good guy. He was coming from completely different background, probably didn't understand what the club was about and you know the what the Evertonians asked for or, or the minimum yeah. they you know they requested and on that day probably they didn't think he was given that and he you know he 
didn't react in the right way, and that was disappointing. It's disappointing to end your career and your Everton career and yeah. being remembered like that. Because he was a good lad, he was he was a decent human being. It was just unfortunate the circumstances, and he's going to be remembered for that, which is a shame. Yeah. You captain that time. It was that season you the first time you captained Everton. Richard yeah. Goff was the club captain, if you will, but you and yeah. Kevin Campbell seemed to share the responsibility because uh-huh. Goffey was injured a lot. What's it like to be the be the Everton captain? It was special. Again, it was. You look at the history of Everton and the people that have captained Everton, and I was fortunate enough to do it on on numerous occasions, and I loved it, I enjoyed it. I'm n- I was never going to be the most vocal of captains or the most demonstrative of captains. That really wasn't my my personality, and I couldn't be something I wasn't. So I just tried to lead by example mm. and tried to speak to the lads and I tried to do what I could to help them. So I took it seriously, and I and I tried to help the rest of the team, and I thought. First and foremost, you get your performance right. That was the biggest thing. So try and make sure you were doing all right and, and the lads would follow you and, and trust you. How much does the manager depend on his captain to get his message across and things like that? You know, did you have to have a really close relationship with the manager and then filter that? I think it varies mm. depending on the, re- the relationship with the manager and the, and the players. I got older and when I was at Rangers, again, Walter, I was older. Walter trusted me more and then yeah. I felt like the relationship was stronger and I was a bigger influence and he can use me to for different things. So I think that trust develops between the manager and the player and depending on the circumstance as well. And Do you then though have to be a little bit like less matey with the lads because no, you're a little no. bit more No, the lads no. be on that straight away. As soon as they yeah, yeah. you know, th- you've got to be a player first and foremost. That's yep. your that's your domain and you can't I don't think you can cross the line. I think there's always going to be an element of staff and, and yep. players. You're the player's representative or you're the player or you are a reflection of the dressing room with the manager, and you've got to be honest with the manager in terms of um, what the players are thinking, what the players are, yeah. are doing, and and convey that in the right way. But you can't cross the line. The it's players very quickly yeah. realise that. It's interesting, isn't it, speaking to someone who's being a captain? You know, there's all kinds of different scenarios. I would imagine that maybe some players think, "Oh, be careful what you say around him," because he'll tell the manager and mm. all that type of stuff. Um. I don't. I, I never felt that. I've got to be no. honest. I never. Yeah. I never had that feeling at all. And. Um, if if anyone disagrees, you can call in. Sure <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. But I never felt that at all. I always yeah. felt one of the lads, and yeah. you know, I would never put myself in that position. Well, mo- moving on to the two thousand one, two thousand two season, I think that the influence you were discussing seemed to be growing in that season. It wasn't the best of seasons for Everton, I, I suppose, and particularly the manager Walter Smith. Mm-hmm. But you got four goals that season. Um, one of them being a, an absolute world away at Tottenham. Mm. Me and Mills, you remember particularly well because it was yeah. probably one of our the best away games we ever went <laughs> to in, in, in that sense. But it was a strange season. It was, it was Duncan couldn't seem to stay fit. Uh, Thomas yeah. Rosinski who just come in, was in and out of the team. Yeah. You had the, the yo-yo between Gerrard and Simonson where we couldn't mm-hmm. seem to find a, a number one. Um, but in terms of your in terms of yourself, the, the four goals you got and that, that goal particularly in Spurs away, what were your memories of, of that? I remember the goal well, and I, rem- I always loved going to White Hart Lane. That was probably my favourite away ground. I just liked the, obviously it's changed now, but I liked the atmosphere, I liked the ground. It was always a tough game. You're always up, I always felt you're always up against really good players. Strikers Every all the time. time. Strikers, strikers, yeah, Canute and Keane and Sheringham and Ferdinand. and mm. just seemed like whoever they played, they were a Production line of, of strikers, yeah. yeah. Canute, yeah, what a striker he yeah. was. Canute, yeah, he was and underrated, he was wasn't he? Oh, was very much so. He was, I thought he was one of the toughest to play against. And they just, as I said, they just had a number of strikers. So I remember that goal well, and it was a great goal. It was actually up for goal of the month or goal of the week on match of the day. And I'm thinking, come on, please win it, please yeah. win it. <laughs> 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 I never won it. And I, oh, I say to everyone, you know, who crossed the ball for that goal? 
and like a lot of people have got no idea. You you guys did know, so you're proper Everton. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Gazi. It was, it was Gazi, yes. Which makes it even sweeter. Well, some of the players who come in that season as well, we've got Stubbsy who come in, who kind of his influence growing in the following season more so mm. than this one. Um, but I think the last throw of the dice for, for Walter Smith that season in terms of signings was, was later on, and it was Carsley and, and yeah. Ginola. Um, Carsley, obviously, again, another player whose influence grew as he as he as he developed within the club. But what were you th- what was the the feeling when Ginola come in? What what kind of player was he at that point? Again, another player. He was past his best again. If yeah. I'm being honest, I mean, he was an icon of Premier League history and a fantastic player domestically and internationally. So he was, if we'd signed him at his peak, I think we'd have been yeah, delighted. Yeah. But I think, being honest, we were probably saying, is that what we need at the time? You know, the player who's probably past his best, we probably need some some legs and some enthusiasm and um but Lee Carsley was he signed right at the end of yeah I think he signed on loan to start with initially with a, yeah. a permanent because like Carsley's a friend of mine as well and he was saying uh, Walter's gone I want to go back I want <laughs> Carsley I want to go back <laughs> no. but he ended up being a, f- a great player for yeah, Everton you know, yeah. one of the yeah. one of the best and we talk about <coughs> players making the team better than he was right up there he was a big part of, of any success that that we had over the next few years because he was he became indispensable. Well, we're going to go on and talk a, a little bit more about Lee la- later on. J- going into March in that season, we hadn't Evan hadn't won a game uh, s- since January. Uh-huh. Uh, Jesper Blomfist scores a, a goal in a, a one nil win against Sunderland. I've got to mention this actually because <laughs> it's just a, it's just a funny story. After Blomfist scored that goal against uh, Sunderland, I remember going to the pub after the game with, with my dad, and my dad has had a few that day. And he said, "Jesper Blomfist." He's as good as Cantona, that lad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he ever, ever done anything for Everton after that Never point. Never lived that town. No, no. But um, the 3-0 the away loss at Middlesbrough in the FA Cup quarter-final, I, I remember, again, me and Millsy being back row with the, the, the away stand that day. And that the, the atmosphere one, yeah. had become yeah. quite septic at that point. And that was, I think, the nail in the, the coffin for Walter. Do you remember that? Do you remember that I day, do. that game? I do. I remember it. And I remember how disappointing the performance it was and how big a game it was. It was a quarter-final of the FA Cup. So you've got an opportunity to go to the yeah. semi-finals and be involved in that. And I'd never done that in England. So that was a a big incentive for me personally, but for Everton as a club as well. So massive disappointment and then compounded when the manager leaves. And as a player, you always feel guilty about that. You always feel responsible for that. So it was a horrible time. It was not something I'm proud of being associated with that or, or being involved in that. I always thought a manager leaving the club was a was a real stain on a on a player's career. And it didn't happen to me too often, but I took it I took it quite personally when it did happen. I don't think mm. it happens too much now, but I think players have got to take a responsibility and a bit of pride in terms of they are responsible for somebody losing their job. Walter well, clearly didn't hold you responsible, obviously, because <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you yeah. have a very uh, loyal relationship with him. When, when Walter left, actually, it's stories came out that we didn't know during his tenure there that he was having meetings with the bank managers and, and he was yeah. he was doing a lot of stuff which you wouldn't expect yeah. a football manager to do. And I think when Walter left Everton, he's, his star had kind of been faded a little bit in terms of what he did at the club and he wasn't perceived in the light he should have done. And Bill Kenwright did a great thing. He brought him back to um, one of the dinners at Everton, one of the end-of-season dinners. And, and Bill, being Bill, made a, a great speech about Walter and what he contributed to the club during his time there and, and probably let people know what was actually going on in the background. Because you can't, at the time, you can't tell the of whole course, truth yeah. and, um, and tell the real story. But he, he made people aware of the situation Walter was dealing with at the time and the, and the difficulties of the club when Bill was trying to get well I, I think in fairness now there's a lot of comparisons 
between modern day coaches and managers, isn't mm-hmm. there? I don't think there's any doubt that Walter was a proper manager, yeah. wasn't he? He was involved in, yeah. he wanted to be involved in every element of it the does. club, and I suppose in this sense, he'd almost got himself in too yeah. deep uh, for it anyone. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have dealt with the things that he was managing the club, you know. I think yeah. that's what he was used to at Rangers. I think he was used to managing the whole club and everything that went on around about it, and he. He took it upon himself to do the same here, and he was probably fighting battles and spending time doing it away from the he team. Could never, he yeah. could never, and yeah. the team was constantly evolving as well, and constantly changing, and players in and players out. So the two things were probably related, but it was a it was a really difficult job, and unfortunately, we, you know, Walter ended up losing his job from it, and he's. You know, you don't like to see people of that quality losing their job. Of course, yeah. Stickers' legacy sort of evolved after he left when all these yeah. stories came out. You look back and think, God, if we didn't have Walter yeah. during those well, two or three years, what what would have happened to us? I would we have done a Leeds or a Man City? I think that's very a really good point yeah. in terms of, you know, where could Everton have went and what could have happened and then who knows what would have happened really. Yeah. And I think he was a big part of us staying in the league. There's no doubt about that. It was it was the biggest part and it was it was very scary on a few occasions and and I know before I came it was the same, but. Getting through that history of Everton at that time, staying in the Leeds was a success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not a great thing to say. But well, the thing is, it, as you've just pointed out there, we were never, we were close, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But we were never on yeah. the, the last game of the season yeah. like we were, you know, seasons before yeah. you arrived there. And, yeah. and again, credit to the way that he managed to just seem to just pluck a player from somewhere yeah. or evolve, a p- you know, put a player in a different position, he gets yeah. a few goals and then suddenly, yeah. it, you know, you've, you've staved away from the relegation. Yeah. And That's that. probably what he tried with Genoa, wasn't it? If, if he gets to six points here, then we're... Yes, we're gone first. It popped yeah, in. Cantona. Better than Cantona. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, David Moyes came in as, as Walter's replacement and a, a funny David Moyes story we've seen since he's, he sort of left Everton was he was... He was breaking it, basically going into the dressing room with yourself, Stubbsy, Duncan, yeah. Paul Gascoigne. He's thinking, these senior players who are Premiership players, are they going to even listen to yeah. me? The flip side of that is, is where you all thinking that, or were you open to to change? No, we were. But at the end of the day, we were. I think we were all players. You know, and we were. He's, he's Everton manager. He's coming in as Everton manager, so we were always going to going to listen to him. And he came in, and you don't. We don't think of it on those terms. Or I didn't certainly didn't yeah. think of it on those terms. I just think he's Everton manager, and we want to help him. We want. We want to be successful. We want him to be good. We're, I was still disappointed that Walter had left. I'd l- yeah. You know, I've got to be honest. But I was excited to work with him because he was he was an up and coming coach. He was young. He had different ideas, and we just wanted to see what what his thoughts were. And he, he was an impressive guy. He was very good on the on the training field. His information was very clear, and and he worked hard, and he got his message across. So he, he never looked like that to us when he came and yeah. he never looked nervous or he never looked like he never knew what he was doing. He was his information was good and he got his points across so although it's interesting that he said that it never it didn't didn't get the perception that yeah. that was the case. Did he change a lot at Belfield straight away he or did. was it gradual? Um I think be- between then and the end of the season he just got to know everybody. He, uh, he had individual meetings with all the players and the staff and stuff and just asked their opinion and probably got a lot of information and a lot of yeah. people's thoughts and then between then and then the season, I think he just kind of gathered information and then started to integrate it during pre-season, which I think is always the best time when you get more time and you yeah. you can get your ideas across. But you've got to get results while you're managing at that stage of the season. So I think pre-season was probably the time where he started to get to get everything across. But he just he raised the bar in terms of what he asked for. And a new manager, when you come in, you're always stronger. And he just he just noticed the the hotels were getting a bit better, yeah. the travel was getting a bit better, we're flying a bit more. The food was getting a little bit better, you know, just little upgrades. I think he was just pushing, and he was getting, he was getting the right answers to to probably some things that w- that Walter wasn't at the time yeah. because he was new and he was fresh and he was getting support. 
Well, there's two things that did change quite quickly. Uh, Paul Gascoigne says in his own autobiography that he was in tears leaving Everton. The Walter Smith, you know, sacking really affected him. Can you yeah. remember how how bad Gaza took it? He was Walter was like a father to Gaza. You know, that genuinely was the case. I think Gaza had some of his best years under Walter, and mm. Walter kept kept him as much as he could on the straight and narrow. So they had a really good <coughs> relationship. So and Gaza was the old Belfield where we trained. It was like your home. You know, when you went in there, Gaza was first in and invariably we would be last away. So he'd be in there. That would be like his home yeah. because it was a small building, the, the girls in the canteen, you know, Sue in the office and, you know, all the people, Jimmy the kit man, Tony the kit man, they were, all, they were like your family. So for Gaza, the way he was, that was that would have been really important to him. It was important to us all. We loved mm. the environment. Yeah. So all the, you knew all the groundsmen. You were playing head tennis with the groundsmen. Gaza would be playing head tennis, table tennis, whatever it was. So he was probably had a really happy period of his life there, you know, both... Yeah football-wise and off the field, so you can see why we'd be really, really sad to leave it. Yeah, and the last thing I referred to there, saying Moisey changed two things, was the captaincy. The first game, home to Fulham, Moisey yeah. said later on again that he pulled you in and said, I'm yeah. going to give it to Duncan, and he said yeah. you were a pro about it, but yeah. deep down, were you a oh, bit gutted with that? Or? Absolutely gutted. I was, you know, it's never nice to, I could understand why he was doing it, yeah. and it was probably the right thing to do to get a reaction, and Duncan was an incredible captain, like, yeah. I like Duncan and still speak to him, get on well with him and got a lot of respect for him in a lot of ways. But as a captain, he was out of this world, yeah. you know, in terms of motivating people and getting the dressing room going. You can imagine what he's like, <laughs> you know, in yeah. terms of speaking. And he's the best I've seen as a captain in terms of actually being... Influencing. Uh, and being, yeah, yeah, influencing, being a sort of typical rah-rah captain, you know, in yeah. people's faces, getting them going and, you know, feeling 10 foot tall when you're walking out the dressing room. I was never like that. Mm. Never likely to be that. And he... He kind of had that persona where he could carry it, and sometimes you go out and you, you know, you're ready to fight the world. I think from our point of view, I don't know, speaking for you, Judge, you went when that happened. I think Duncan yeah. had a bit of a history with us. He'd scored winners past Liverpool, and he'd mm -hmm. he'd came back and things, and it was yeah. sort of maybe get ten percent more of the crowd exactly, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a feel good factor. Yeah. You know, Duncan's got a great relationship with Everton fans. Yeah. I don't think um, that'll ever go away, and you can see why seeing him come out with the armband. You could see, I, I yeah. like I say, I understood it. I wasn't. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, and yeah. it wasn't nice for me personally, but it was handled in the right way. And you know, at the end of the day, I was I was working for Everton, so and I, and I respected the manager. It was always the same. Well, uh, moving on to the 2002-2003 season, some pretty interesting stories, I suppose, and and, and interesting uh, developments. I think the first one that, that stuck out to the fans, and it was a, it was a very strange episode, was was the arrival of of Lee Tai and Lee Wai Feng through mm -hmm. the, the Cajun deal. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it, it's probably a little bit more prominent in, in, in today's football, but just to educate you, Phil, our, our sponsors at the time, Cajun, uh, insisted on two um, Chinese, internationals, two Chinese yeah. internationals joining the club as part of the deal. Now, Lee Tai obviously played a, a quite a few more mm -hmm. games at Lee Wai Feng. He, 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 he didn't get, I think he yeah. played at Wrexham in the cup, and he, d yeah. he didn't even look good in that, which was a shame. But, but what, yeah. what, what were the reaction of the players to them coming in, knowing that it was part of a, a commercial deal? Was it? Was I, it I think initially... One? Usually you're you're a bit suspicious, but then again, as I said, probably you know, but Barnes earlier on, you take players as you find them as they come in mm -hmm. the dressing room. They're two great guys, like Lee Tai in particular, who was yeah. there longer. He was Very a genuinely top player, well, footballer, but he was a top, he was a top yeah. guy. You know, day in day out, he was smiling, he was happy to be there. He was he worked hard in that as a professional. That's all you ask for. Yeah, and he, he technically he was fine. He played a lot of games and and did well for Everton. So that's how you judge it. You can, 
Nobody dictates the circumstance of the coming in. We Trim- can't control it. Remember over overhead kick against Rangers <laughs> in pre-season? I was like a superstar over in China, yeah. wasn't he? He's, still him, he's yeah. coaching over there now, I think, and he's still, you know, he had an entourage following him all the time. Yeah. And, you know, he, w- he was a big thing in China at the time, and it, you can understand it, you know, you can understand it. It's probably ahead of its time in, time in terms yeah. of how things have developed, but he, he got a bad injury, didn't he? It was kind of cut him short but he, he had a decent effort and career I don't know there's players that have had worse, worse careers than no that. Yeah, c- yeah. certainly a very likable character as well yeah, amongst the was fans wasn't yeah. he was, was he was a small guy was he small was he, he was six foot he was yeah, definitely he was fairly well built and he was you know he gave you everything he got every time he played yeah well uh, as well as that there was a, another interesting arrival a, a fairly big sign one of the biggest signs I can remember around that time was Joseph Yobo yeah. um, coming in was he one of the players in terms of the calibre and the quality coming in was he one of the ones what you thought hold on I need to uh, puff my chest out here yeah. and make sure... I it seems like, particularly when um, David Moyes came in, but they signed the centre-back every year. That's how <laughs> <it> <laughs> <Yeah. me>. So <laughs> I always felt like he was trying to replace me and trying <laughs> Never to quite managed bring it. in something. Well, he did well, eventually. Uh, <laughs> but it just yeah, he yeah. was raising the bar all the time. Like I, I probably got it wrong chronologically, but it was like Crowdrop and yeah. Ferrari and yeah. Yobo and eventually it became Lescott and Jagielka yeah. and stuff. So the bar kept, yeah. in my opinion, kept getting raised. So... And which is right at a football club, you Absolutely. should be trying to sign better players and make them better and and push the ones on who you've got at your club. So I I took it as a personal challenge, you know. I think yeah. it's swearing, but thinking I'm going to have to. Is it one place. of those where you get back a little bit early for pre-season and think? Yeah, and I think you need that. You need yeah. to be challenged as a footballer. Either what do you do? Do you say, oh well, that's me not playing, or do you say, oh well. I'm going to have a go here. I'm, I'm going to show him better. Well, in fairness, Carragher, Carragher said a similar story, didn't yeah. he? Every single year, they were trying to replace Carragher yeah. and, and he said they'd always got an extra 5 10% out yeah. of him because he was so determined to not only you know, continue it or pick up where he left off, but to actually prove the manager wrong in yeah, a certain exactly, sense yeah. of saying, well... Well, the opposite of that is the definition of like going stale, isn't it? The club going stale. Yeah. Yeah. So I think as a footballer, you've got, to, you've got to... I would always advise players, and that in my job now is you've got, you've got to prove yourself every game. Yeah, you know, you're you're only as good as your last game in football. Now people only remember the last game and and what you did. And there's a hundred other players out there who who want to be in your position. So you've got to, it's got to be personal. You've got to be personal in terms of your position and your role, and not giving it up and and fighting for it. And yeah. I think your mindset is really important. I remember Gerard said the quote. He said, but his mindset was always he's going to get someone out the way. And once he got past him, he was in his head. He was thinking. He was thinking about individuals as well as yeah. teammates. Thinking. Yeah. I'm taking your place, and once I've done it, you're never taking it back off me. Yeah. So it's a weird dynamic in a team, isn't yeah. it? Because you've got a teammates, and you're helping each other improve and all that, but you've also got to have that kind you of focus. It is. It's a weird dynamic because you're mm. competitive with your teammates, as some of your teammates, especially in your position, but you've also got to <laughs> yeah. you know, be, your, be their teammate by definition. So it's, mm. it is a weird dynamic, but mm. m- most footballers or footballers who have long careers or good careers are competitive by nature. So yeah. you've, got, you've got to have that edge, and it's how you how you show it. it's always got to be respectful it's yeah. always got to be in a team environment but you know you've got to have it yeah well, well speaking about uh, uh quality and players who had an edge uh, that season saw the emergence of wayne rooney mm-hmm. at the age of 16 promoted from colin harvey's youth setup what were your memories of wayne first joining the, the the first team and i had memories of him before that having seen him as a young player and doing really well in the youth cup and he was always talked about within the club as being or oh, there's a real special one you always hear about the young players and yeah yeah they don't always come through, but Wayne was different. You know, you could see Wayne at 15, 16, playing in the 18s, playing in the even younger than that, I think he was playing in 18s and, and affecting the games and doing well in the Youth Cup. Remember him at Tottenham and Villa and the 
latter stages of the, the youth cup he'd have been 15, 16 at yeah, the time yeah. and the two legs were in it yeah. a free kick when he hit the wall come back and then he that hit it outside that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so he was special you knew he was going to be special and he was a scouse lad and he was in the round he came I think he came at the end of the season we went on a trip to Southampton I think that was with Walter actually um, he came at a game and well, Walter, Walter Walter was the one I think initially must have, must have been the season before that um, Colin Harvey had said you know come and watch a game yeah. and, and he and I think he'd been there two minutes and Rooney yeah. scored one from the halfway line and was yeah. like yeah, this boy's special you know let yeah. me know as soon as I can actually take him and get him yeah. involved with the lads the sooner the better really well I think that was okay. he might have still been 15 so I'm not sure yeah. if he could have played I think he had to be 16 I think he was just then around wasn't he in terms yeah. of that then his personality at the time because he's always been a quite a shy Introvert yeah. character in terms of his personality was that the key was it was it, it was even shy. more so when he first yeah came? and respectful but he was confident as well yeah. it was a real it was a real good mix you know in yeah. terms he was very respectful particularly like Duncan who I think was his hero growing up yeah, in Evertonian yeah. and Duncan being a bit an idol for him so he was almost like he was confident but he still was like you could see he was a bit an awe Duncan step the mark with Duncan yeah, yeah which was great and Duncan yeah. put his arm around him and looked after him as well which I think helped Stubbs had a good relationship with him yeah. as well and. So he had a couple of people who were kept an eye on him and spoke to him, and but he was very respectful of how he, he dealt with it, other than in training when he was just a player. He was just yeah. like everyone else, and he just he showed his quality straight away, so the lads were loving him. I as always, as soon as you come into the training session, the lads very quickly make their mind up, is he Definitely, can yeah. he handle it, is he good enough, Does he, you know, is he going to help us, and straight away all the, the answers were yes to all these questions. I don't want to speak out of turn, and obviously rumours are rumours, but when the rumours going around that um, Rooney had a straight, like a, a strange relationship with Ferguson, wasn't he always calling him superstar and things like? I think it was just, I think it was just general uh, admiration. I think at his yeah. age, 15, 16, coming into a, a, a first no, team. No, I heard that Ferguson that. wasn't very nice to him. Nah, that's not true. That's, that's not true. Never, I've never Definitely. heard that. No, no. We've always that, heard that. That, 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 that must be a cop right there. He was like Duncan. By that time, was a scouser, you know, and yeah, yeah. he, <laughs> he was, was yeah. a scouser, so he, he was like, he was all for the scouser. So a young scouser coming in the team, Duncan would have his arm around him, yeah. but and that was the case. I was there. Yeah, fair play. Well, uh, Everton actually moved up to fourth in the table after a one-nil win over West Brom on the twenty-third of uh, of November two thousand and two. After winning ten of the first fifteen games, the wins included victories at West Ham, Leeds, Sunderland against Fulham, Blackburn, Charlton, and obviously the the Wayne Rooney win winner against Arsenal. What what were your stands up memory? Was, do you remember that the start of that season being a bit of you know yeah. d- was you feel a bit of momentum? Was it definitely yeah? And I think the team was relatively settled, and I think we had a good balance in our team. There wasn't as many superstars in the team. It was a bit more workman light and a bit more kind of Everton probably in terms of what Everton had had success in in the previous time. So and Wayne was probably <coughs> the one that was getting the headlines and getting the which is fine, isn't it? Which is when fine, you, you, you know. Yeah. We and we all we all liked Wayne, and we all respect him, knew he was going to go on and have a great career. So I think the, the kind of environment was right for him at the time and the mix and the team, as I spoke about earlier, it just seemed to be right at that time and we were confident in getting results and it was it was a good time, a really good time. Were you close to Wayne personally as, during his Everton career? Yeah, I'd like to think it was close to him. I was a senior player and he was a young lad coming through, so you take it upon yourself. But I also was aware that he had other good people around about yeah. him in terms of um, Duncan and, and Stubbsy and and people like that. So he didn't. He didn't need much managing. Mm. When he was, he was good as gold. He was very respectful of the senior players. He worked hard in training, which is always the key thing. Yeah. You know, he, he did all the things that, as a teammate, you'd want him to do. So I had no f- 
no qualms at all. We, everybody likes him. Everybody, all the staff. So it's the him. hunger, isn't it? As a as yeah. professional, you respect the hunger that yeah. a, that a young boy's got, and if he's if he's you know he's matching that with his performances it as is. well. You can't. And he never overstepped the mark. You know, he was getting a lot of publicity and a lot of hype at the time, but he was still the same kid when he came in and trained and and just how he was running about the place. So Fair there was point. no no issues at all there. That goal against Arsenal, that's one of the loudest I've, I've seen. Yeah. Goodison, even outside Goodison Road by the pubs, everyone was singing in the streets. You look yeah. back at that game with fun memories, the yeah, Arsenal game. Yeah, it always comes up on TV, don't it? Always it's goal, yeah. yeah. Highlight it and certain, so you always see it. That first touch, you just brings it out the sky. Top left, yeah. was that the one? It was yeah, Siemens. Because it broke their record, didn't it? They'd been unbeaten yeah. up until that game. So that was the first game that they <coughs> lost for the... The Invincibles, yeah. Broke that run up, yeah. It was a special goal in that instance, and obviously him scoring it as well and like their team at the time as well was it was a serious team world, yeah. so Sol Campbell sent to Arsenal yeah, then wasn't he again, yeah like Patrick Baird was in there yeah Bergkamp might get some but that generation Bergkamp on me Anelkan like the quality Over players Vieira Vier was midfield as well I think yeah. fancy yeah. Defense I remember <laughs> I was I was in sixth form still trying to deny the Rooney hype at that stage <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that goal was the turning moment where I just had to kind of finally crumble and be okay yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like our age, isn't he, really? <laughs> yeah. well, well, if, if Goodison was bouncing for the Arsenal game, um, it, 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 the away end wasn't bouncing at Shrewsbury. We, we lost oh. to Shrewsbury in the FA Cup that season. That was the first time as fans that we'd seen the side of David Moyes where he sort of criticised the players. Was that, yeah. was that the first time you'd seen it as well? or um, Probably publicly, but yeah. we deserved it. You know, you, if you go to a, a ground like that as an Everton player and an Everton team and you lose the game, then... You deserve all the credit, or credit, all the criticism you're going to get. Mm. That's Nigel Jemson. Yeah, no. yeah, God. Uh, it's just the, it's the nature of the beast, and you know if you if you go at the cup to Shrewsbury, then you're not going to get any plaudits. So you just got to get your get your crash helmet on and try and get through it and redeem yourself as quick as you can. Can you ever explain a result like that as a Premiership team going to a, a team? I think they finished bottom of, of yeah. League One last season. Can you ever put your finger on why, or is it just a fluke? I, I wish I could, you yeah. know, but there's been so many of them over the years in terms of upsets, and it still happens to the, to this day. Even with you know the quality of the teams now that have got in yeah. the Premier League, it still occasionally happens. And you probably lowering your guard and you know not being completely focused. You don't do it intentionally, obviously, because you always want to win. You go on the pitch and you want to win. Maybe making a few too many changes, or I don't know. And them being it's their cup final, they've got nothing to lose. And in any game of football, it's ninety minutes, and there's an element of chance involved in that and if the chance goes your way and your I mean, day then you'll know yourself as well David in the in the role that you're in at the moment the, mm -hmm. the amount of League 1 League 2 National League sides most of them have got 6, 7, 8 players who could on their day yeah, exactly. play for a top side but yeah. it's just the consistency that they're yeah. not able to achieve that, that is the difference between at yes. times the Premier League and League 1 and League exactly 2 so that, yeah. any one day they, they, they can up the, they up get the game it right, they can. and I've been on the other side of that I've played yeah. for Falkirk we've beat Celtic we've beat Rangers in Cups and you just you just get a little bit of momentum momentum is massive in the game first yeah. goals always massive in those yeah. games as well if you get the first goal a good start then the crowd invariably turn on them the pre they start to think oh no this is going to be there us we go. we're going to win the back page of the newspaper tomorrow whatever it may be <laughs> and you know so that the psychology of that's really important as well so Good starts and the first goal, you know, that's crucial. Definitely. Interesting signing last season was Brian McBride. He came in yeah. on a, again, now it's quite common for guys in MLS to come over a short mm -hmm. spell in the winter break. Um, yeah. But he came over and, and scored important goals. What was Brian McBride like around the good, place? Really good. When we signed a few Americans in my time. Jo like Joe, Max, Joe, Joe Max, yeah. Yeah, Joe Max and obviously Tim Howard, Tim Adelaide, Adelaide, yeah. Landon Donovan yeah. later as well. And 
we just had Americans that on the whole, you know, without being too stereotypical, they're good guys. They're yeah. they bought Again, bought very professional. Very professional, yeah. good athletes, hard working, you know, pretty much whatever it was at the time. Yeah. So they just fitted right in and contributed. Every one of them contributed in terms of what we asked them to do and various moments throughout the season. So he, Brian was a proper target man, like s stood on whatever he asked for him. He'd, he'd fight his corner and he'd get a few goals and he had a good career in the Premier League, went. Yeah. Follow me, yeah. follow me, yeah, sign yeah. for you, he right? Had a yeah. good career in America after it as well, and he was a good, he was a great guy straight away um, as a person as well. Well, that season we were almost in the top six all season until yeah. the last game of the season. I think Manchester United beat us two one at Goodison. They yeah. lifted the trophy at Goodison after yeah, that. I remember, remember that, the lap yeah. of honour, and and you all looked absolutely yeah. gutted for not reaching Beckham Europe. Scored Beckham scored the belt. Yeah. Free kick, didn't he? Can like you remember how gutted you were as, as a group of players for not making Europe that season, yeah. being in the top six all season? Yeah, definitely. That was you know having never played in Europe for Everton before. That yeah. was a big incentive for us, and you know to do that, raising the bar all the time and getting to the next stage. But again. The that Man United team, you look at the players that are playing in that team and yeah. the players you're up against. and Puts it into perspective, yeah. It does put it in perspective. And it was a tough, tough league, you know. So where we were and I with the group we had, we'd probably overachieved. It was it. a progressive season as well, yeah. above all else, wasn't it? I suppose you were looking around and it was <coughs> disappointing they're not getting in Europe. Uh, like you say, you're looking around at players who you know have got immense quality and uh, younger yeah. players th then as well. Um, you could maybe go on the next season yeah. and, uh, and do it a little bit more as well. It was. There was a good, a real bit of optimism about it in, in terms of what we had and what we had going. Well, moving on to the next season, it, th that optimism was dampened <laughs> by, by an early injury, um, which, which which meant you only played 11 times yeah. that season. Do you remember the frustration do, yeah. of that? Because you didn't have that many injuries like that. I was really player. lucky and um, I injured my medial ligament, which is never a great injury for a footballer. And did all my rehab and... Um, what's really hard, Baz the physio, we would, I'm sure yeah, many people have mentioned him. It was David Moyes' appointment. It was a great appointment. He's back at Everton now yeah. working with the 23s. Yeah. and He's a great guy. and You always used to come back fitter than you went out with Baz. That's kind of how it worked. It was like being injured wasn't a, wasn't a good th never a good thing. But course, yeah. sometimes it was a, a chance to get your feet up at certain clubs. Yeah. Everton, it was the opposite. Everton, you worked hard and you came back fitter. So I got myself back, worked really hard. Um, obviously, I was devastated to get the injury at the time, but I knew I'd get back. It was probably three months. Came back. My first reserve game was against Man United at Altrincham, and a half an hour in, I did exactly the same injury again. So I was I was devastated to say the least. I just it was that kind of season for me. It was just you know a disaster. And I was fortunate. I've, I've played a lot of games, but yeah, that was yeah. probably the one season in my career where you know I didn't uh, I didn't get a chance to get a run at it, but. Overall, I did, I did really well. In terms of other other stories, that season and around the time you got injured, there was a, a bit of a famous falling out between Ferguson and, and Moyes, yeah. um, which, which the Echo um, wrote an article about basically saying that it, it had been a relationship that had been strained for quite some yeah. time. Would, would you say that's a fair reflection? Or I would. And I, like I think you know, David came in and David wanted the, the new guard and the new Everton and Duncan was a bit, and myself as well, was probably a wee bit of the old guard, you know, a bit in terms of, he wanted to modernise the thinking and the, the type of player he was bringing to Everton. And we were probably it's not that common, is it, I suppose, for a young no, man? It's to not do that, yeah. It was evolution, and he, yeah. was, he was part of it. But Duncan would always be loyal to the Everton manager. You know, I'd, I'll say that yeah. about him. But the, there was obviously a clash at the time. And as I said with Walter in the past, when the manager and a player, regardless of what his stature, clash at that time, there was it's probably changed a bit now. There was only ever going to be one winner. There was was, was it personalities? Or was it was it tactical without obviously going? Um, <coughs> it's probably was it probably personalities, yeah. but 
everything's personalities, yeah, isn't course, it? Every yeah. player and every manager. But as I said, there's always and in that generation, there's only ever going to be one winner. The manager's yeah. always going to be the winner. So, but Duncan's proud two guy, Scot- two, two Scots, Scots as well, guys, no David <laughs> exactly that. So, du- so, you know, it was always going to end. Yeah, the one way. No, fair enough. Um, so the, l- the last game of the season, seeing Everton get beat five-one at Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about articles and, uh, and the Echo Day, Prentice wrote a piece um, about about that performance, and mm-hmm. it's it was a scathing piece actually, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and and there was a rumor that. The players, particularly the senior players, felt that, and, uh, and there was that kind of relationship with the papers at the time, where yeah. the reporters would come to Bel- Belfield yeah. on the training ground. You kind of know who you were looking at and, yeah. and what they were writing. Some of the players apparently felt he'd went too far with the yeah. article. Can you remember that article? Yeah, I do remember it well, and I g- and I, I I thought he did at the time. I yeah. just thought, I think from memory, I thought it was like players weren't trying and players weren't turning up for the manager, and that you know that's not the case. That's that certainly wasn't the case of that group of players. It wasn't working, and you can't. Yeah get beat 5-1 and expect to get credit but there's a ways and means of doing things and saying things and I think we as a group of players felt that was you know that that wasn't fair and um, it wasn't a true reflection of what had happened and it was it was disappointing but when things aren't going well you're going to get stick so you got you got to stick together and the only way to respond is to is to do it on the field you can talk and you can say what you want and you can you know you can think you're hard done by but all that matters are results in football. Was that something you take into pre-season and, and you kind of have to pit between your teeth a little bit when the season ends on the type of note or is it just um, let's put it behind us and, and you know we move on as pros? No, I think you've got to bear it in mind. You know, Nobody enjoyed the end of that season the way it was and I think David Moyes was, would say the same thing. It's something that had to change in terms of how things were. So we had a really good pre-season. We went away to Houston, it was, which was a masterstroke in hindsight. We went away with a really hard-working camp but we were in a great place. The the group was good. Um, we enjoyed ourselves. We, we worked hard, trained hard, but we also had some some relaxation. And that was a really good start to that season. But what had been a bad end to the season, very quickly we we sat down. We had a few clear air talks, and we had a bit of fun together. And we also had a, a lot of hard work together, and we spent a lot of time together. So I think that was the starting point for that season. Yeah. It was it was very important, and I think preseason can be a big factor in terms of clearing there for the last season and also you know, setting the tone for what you're going to do the following season. That yeah. pre-season was quite hectic. I think there was a boardroom battle. Paul Gregg and Bill Kenwright were, were, were sort of in the media battling out for the club. Yeah. We lost um, a lot of players. Unsworth, Gemmel, Linderoth, uh-huh. Alex Anderson. We brought in Tim Cale and Marcus Bent. Yeah. Are you looking at this as a player thinking this is going to be a, a tough one or have you got a, a mindset on going into it and, and starting afresh, if you will? I think you always approach it fresh. You're always optimistic at the start of the season and Obviously losing some good players, but you trust the players that the manager's bringing in to, to help you. And Tim Cahill, relatively low profile. Marcus Bent, relatively low profile. And you'd be saying, Hard work, if they're it? coming in, yeah, are these going to make us better if you're being sort of objective about it? But look at the, look at what they did. And yeah. So you've got to trust the manager. And you've, got to, you've got to look after yourself in terms of making sure you're contributing, you're welcoming them, you're, you're helping them, and you're, you're bringing them into the team. And they, they turned out to be... Obviously, Tim was there longer, but Marcus Bent was Mark a great ben player forever. For yeah. yeah. well, two players I didn't mention there who also departed. We'll get on to Wayne in a, in a second. But Thomas Rosinski left before yeah. Wayne, and he, he had an interview in the press where he sort of accused Moyes of not being the most tactical manager, and Everton should be looking at maybe letting Wayne Rooney go. Can you remember right. that with that sort of reaction Moyes had to that? Because I think Moyes was in the press after it, saying right. that he, you know he wasn't happy with that and he wanted yeah. to keep Thomas, but it was becoming strained. Yeah, I think like <coughs> I'm sure David would 
we'd argue with that as well in terms of he was relatively young in his managerial career and yeah. Wayne was, you know, ha very high profile and, you know, d conducting your business in the press and stuff's not ideal. But the exposure that was around about the club at that time because of probably Wayne in particular, he was probably having to deal with things that he probably didn't want to deal with and yeah. he probably learned a lot in terms of how you do go about these things. So it was it was probably a learning curve for him, but it's never good for a player when they leave to criticise the club, you know, in the press. I don't think that, that really works for anyone. It just makes the player look bad and obviously the club aren't really happy with how, how the players acted either. What was your stance looking back at the time of Wayne leaving Everton? Do you think it was at, at the time you thought it was too soon or did, did you back him because the Euros he was yeah. unplayable? I remember thinking we're not getting him back here. Yeah. yeah, no, well that I was pretty much the same as you. I think he was he'd just gone to a different level and much as we'd like to keep him and we'd love Everton to be the club where he could fulfil his Champions League and his league winners and his FA Cup finals. We weren't yeah. there at the minute. So I, I think football being football at the time and you know the, the agency side of things and the rea the reality of football was he's probably outgrown Everton. You know, yeah. as much as we, we wouldn't like that to be true, that was probably the case at the time that he needs to go on and, and be on a bigger stage than, than we could probably provide him at that time. So the manager can't say that. The manager's got to fight to keep him. And we as players would love him to be there. But I think the reality, the financial situation and, and what the, the bright lights were saying to Wayne was that he was going to have to go. We were able to start that season. But I don't think any of us saw, saw it coming. We beat Liverpool 1-0 in December to go third in the league. We were mm. on this this amazing run. Can you yeah. recall how you were feeling? Was, yeah. it just t was it togetherness more than anything it back then? It was a togetherness. And I think you look at that team and <coughs> no particularly standout players, no particularly exciting, if I'm being honest. And But real workman light, real togetherness, real culture about it that and there was a good fit, people trusted each other, looked after each other and a good work ethic about it. So it was it was better than the sum of its parts, I think, and yeah. just got a bit of momentum and a bit of confidence and we were winning a lot of games ugly and late and from my memory in one nil and yeah. you know, so it was a real sort of hard working, honest, um but good team. Speaking of one nils and going back to the um the, the derby we just briefly mentioned, which mm. we, we never briefly mentioned, do we? <laughs> um, it was Lee, a Lee Carsley goal that got us yeah. the, the winner. I mean, obviously, it was your first win in a, in a Goodison derby, and it's come mm. six years after the, yeah. the you know, the initial win at Anfield. How did that feel, getting the, the, the it win was at Goodison? That felt special. That was um, the famous picture with Tim Cahill on the pile, the players and stuff yeah. as well. So yeah. that was, again, almost iconic for us. But it was just gave us the confidence that we could go on and have a a successful season because Liverpool were our nemesis there's no getting away from it in terms of the results and the games and, and getting results against them and David Moyes the same you know in terms of his record and the derbies and stuff it was it was the game we just couldn't quite work them out we just couldn't get the better of them overall so you know any win you got or any any result you got was being honest was a was a, a reason to celebrate so yeah. that was that was one of the few times we managed to beat them and Lee was sort of iconic in terms of that team, in terms of he was he sums it up. low yeah. maintenance, yeah. hard working, made everybody better, and for him to score the goal, um, although I think it might have took a wee deflection. It just just a small <laughs> one. It was probably fitting. Uh, as you kind of alluded to there, the second half of the season, we, we did do it the hard way. Um, Liverpool were breathing down our, our necks for the, for, the, for the race for fourth place and, and a Champions League spot. 
we eventually had to beat Man United at, at Goodison to yeah. prevent Liverpool pulling us back where Duncan Ferguson got the another winner at the Gladys Street end yeah. against United. What a game that was. Yeah, that was what a, a game. That was a special game. I was yeah. in the street end that night and it was I've never seen it like that in years. Yeah. It was like we knew that we were gonna win that yeah. night and you all and came out to set cars, it was a night time and yeah. we, it was just amazing. It was, it was, it like was a special field. night, yeah, I agree. And again, Duncan being Duncan, you know, that was he, he wasn't always on the pitch all the time, but when he was on it and he was at it, then it was almost like going back in time. He yeah. saw him at his best and he just sort of raised his game and he terrorised him. It was Ferdinand, wasn't it? Yeah, it was real Ferdinand. And yeah. he, was f- he was unplayable, you know, I wouldn't have liked to play against him. I'm sure they had yeah. a good hug after that, uh, Moisey and, and Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim Howard is in the night, there's that slow motion picture of Ferguson barging Tim Howard as he tried to roll uh, it out yeah. and just sum the night up for yeah. me. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, we also lost, it. you're speaking about the, the squad and, and, and how we're the, the type of players that we had at the time. We, we lost Thomas Gravis in the January that year. Yeah. There was a rumour that Real Madrid came to look at Carsley <laughs> and, 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 and he ended up getting Gravison <laughs> by accident. Yeah. I know. I, I, you'd like to think that didn't happen, <laughs> but if you're signing a holding <laughs> midfielder, which apparently is what they wanted, and <laughs> <laughs> you end up with Gravison rather than Carsley, then you can you can see why people think that. But, I mean, they both had really good seasons and they both yeah. complemented each other. And one, I think one was 16, one was 26. They were both bald. They were yeah. both similar shapes. So yeah. you could see how... You could make that mistake, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I always remember Thomas didn't want to go. You know, Thomas loved it, uh, Martin. He really did, and he knew he had to go. Yeah. And the club knew he had to go, but yeah. I think if he was honest, he probably was really enjoying it at that time, and he didn't want to go. I remember them st- at the training ground at Belfield, as it was at the time, and there was a jet waiting for him to take him to Madrid, and he was just hanging about the training ground. And people were like Thomas, you need to go. You've got to go. Yeah. <laughs> you had plans to Real Madrid. <laughs> to Real Madrid. Yeah, That's we used to call him Pom Pom Tommy. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's geeing up the crowd yeah. when it comes. He's the only player still who, who ever used to. I've never known to do that. He used mm. to come in. He used to come into the corner, Phil. I would take, yeah. take corners, and he'd be like clapping the crowds and going, "Come on, yeah. trying to get the crowds <laughs> up for it." Like we weren't up for it anyway. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I just remember him being a psycho, <laughs> basically. Was he, was he as mad as we? Yeah, as fans he here? was in a good way. You know, he was funny, very funny, and yeah. um, but just off the wall. You know, proper off the wall <laughs> in terms of. How he was really good footballer, you know, like in all the the boxes and the rondos and the, the possessions and stuff. He's technically was he was exceptional. He could do things that the majority of us couldn't do, mm. and you know he got a lot of respect for that. But he was he, he could was shield it, couldn't he? He couldn't get the yeah, ball off. So strong, God, his yeah. yeah. He has a big frame as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he could just pick you up. He pick up players or staff. And he actually, at one stage, he picked the doctor up and squeezed him and broke his ribs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, that, he's that naturally that strong. Yeah. So In he fairness, he held his own at Real Madrid yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. He was there. He, he didn't look out of place. Mo, I remember seeing him signing. So he signed for Real Madrid. So obviously after that flight, and he went to Madrid. So he signed for Real Madrid. And he had his Everton club suit on and tie on. <laughs> so unless he knew that that was a club suit and tie, but all the lads are on. He's got. I can't believe he's not got a new suit for the signing for Madrid. He's not struggling now, though, is I he? Think he no, he's he's wow. no, allegedly yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah. 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 Well, it, one of the one of the the, the down, I say the the low point of that season. It was there wasn't many lows. It was after we'd qualified for the Champions League, and me and Millsy went down to to Highbury, expecting a, a nice a nice a nice night. Seven nil defeat. Do you oh, remember that one? Yeah, I remember it well. We'd well, actually qualified or we finished fourth on the. Yeah, you know, is it? I can't remember. It was the, was the Sunday. The Saturday. Liverpool the Sunday didn't win a Highbury. Yeah, on the Cause, Sunday. Because yeah. Davy Moyes was on the sky in his car to get another glass of champagne. Glass yeah. of champagne. So uh, that was the Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think we went out for a couple of drinks that night. Just a couple. Just <laughs> a couple. And we played. <laughs> and you were still drinking on the night. <laughs> and when was the game? The t- Wednesday. Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday yeah. Wednesday, yeah. 
So and the res- result reflected. In, in fairness, it, it was one of the most jovial away ends that you've ever been in. Considering it was seven 0 I think we were like cheering some of the goals because it was like we. It was almost yeah. respect that we had for. You had such a small squad, didn't you? As well, you know, yeah. and you were so kind. Yeah, of I just think. Like it definitely tarnished it for us, and it definitely tarnished really? it for the manager. You know, you lose seven 0 it's embarrassing. Yeah. There's no, there's no excuse, and I think we all kind of learned a, le- a life you lesson can't there. Can't take your foot off the gas because yeah, against teams like that, yeah, and levels like that, and you know, I'm not. We probably did over celebrate, but it was a lesson for us all. Definitely. Yeah. We went to a night last year with a Duncan Ferguson was doing like a, f- a fans event, and he said I think it was six or seven 0 at the time. And Moisey looked at him on the yeah. bench and said, "You're going on." And he was, "You, yeah. <laughs> never forgive him for that." No, better <laughs> not, wasn't he? I think there's been a few offering to come off though. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the um, in terms of the before we move on from the, the f- into onto the next season, the Champions League qualification was that the the kind of did you did you feel as though that was the 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 big the big moment for for yeah. you as a squad and and how did you feel that was the goal you know yeah. that was the like finishing fourth in the league was that was like winning the league mm. in terms of where we were at the time and and what what an achievement was for us because it was it was going to be virtually impossible for us to win the league so to finish fourth and to finish above Liverpool was a was a great achievement and we were all really proud of that and that was a goal you know we're kind of hanging on as the yeah. season went on we felt like we were getting just getting closer just to the line getting yeah. over the yeah. line yeah, yeah. And no more and. I think it was Newcastle. I think I actually scored in the game yeah. against Newcastle. Yeah, 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 that kind of clinched it. So that it. was a massive yeah. relief in terms of um, finally getting there because we had been building towards that for weeks and months and trying to get to the stage whereby you know we eventually achieved our goal. Did the whole defence w- w- out of contract last summer? I think it was yourself, Stubbsy, yeah. Steve Watson, and Alessandro right. Pistoni. I think you were the only one initially who stayed. Was there yeah. ever any any chance of you moving on, or were you not going I nowhere d- after I that? I was on. I think I was on yearly contracts every year. David Moyes was there. I think yeah. that's <laughs> how, he, how he managed me. But I didn't. I didn't want to leave. You know, I, I had opportunities to leave at at different times. And to be fair to David, he, even when I was playing less towards the latter part, he says, "I want you to stay. I want you." to be around it, I want you to contribute, I still think you can contribute, it was probably cutting my wages every year as well, (laughs) but I didn't want to leave, I had opportunities to go to different clubs and get longer contracts and get more money, but I I was happy at Everton, I enjoyed it, I wanted to, you know, keep fighting, keep fighting for my place, keep trying to fight off the young pretenders that (laughs) kept coming in every year, but it was getting harder every year, as I said, (laughs) and then I got a phone call from Walter, we'd just gone back in at Rangers, I'd been playing for him at Scotland. He'd just gone back into Rangers and said, "How would you? What do you think about coming up and joining me?" And by that time, I was, I was playing less and less. And as I said, it was yeah. getting harder to get in the team. There was, you know, the players were getting better. So, yeah. and I was getting a bit older. So that was, prob- the only time that I thought, that's a good opportunity. You're saying they're young pretenders. One of them was the summer 2005. Pair Crawldrop yeah. came in as a, as a highly regarded centre half. Thing from Udinese. It didn't seem to happen for Pair. I think he played one game and. Was he homesick or was he just not no, up to the standard? Or he ju- I think he's just, it just never worked for him. I th- he was big, <coughs> he was strong, he could play. He probably wasn't used to the physical side of the Premier League. The Premier League was still physical at that at that time and he probably struggled with that in terms of dealing with the, the aerial stuff and the bombardment yeah. that some of the teams would give you. So I think um, everybody was a bit shocked by that. But sometimes moves just don't work out. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just the wrong fit or... You know the the environment doesn't suit them. He was he was a nice lad, and but you just could tell very very early on that 
the fit wasn't going to be good. But I think he, he moved. I think he went to Fiorentina afterwards. In and January, and yeah. And, and Stubbsy yeah. came back. Yeah, and had a really good career. And um, <laughs> signing players is it's not a science. It's mm. there's a lot of intangibles involved and. Obviously, they, they weren't right in that case. You're saying that you're looking at some players coming in for your position sometimes. Phil Neville came in. Yeah. Did you feel he was coming for your armband? I don't think he was coming for it. I think the manager saw that, yeah. definitely, in terms of Phil was going to be the new captain and Phil was going to be the like the younger model. Yeah. You know, Both myself, Stubbsy, and the more senior players. I think Phil was sort of the new generation. But I don't think he came in looking for it, to be fair to Phil. And Phil was, again, good lad, a hard trainer, yeah. <coughs> straightforward and... Um, he was a decent player, Phil. So yeah. you know, he was he was a good um, contribution to the team and, and an upgrade probably to what we had. He said later in life that it took a while. He, he felt like it took a while for the Evertonians yeah. to accept him. Could yeah. you see that as his teammate? No, as his teammate. From Manchester, no. Or? no, not not as a teammate. No, I think there's a, coming from Manchester and Manchester United. There's I think there's going to be a little bit of, a little bit of that amongst the fans. Yeah. But as players, you you judge players on how they train and how they are in the dressing room you don't judge them on their career or where they've been you judge yeah. them on, on how they are as people in my experience most players are, are like yourselves you know they're just lads who are yeah. making a living and going about it in certain ways you'll always get one or two who are maybe starting to believe the hype but very quickly the dressing room finds them out and yeah. they get sidelined and, and people are aware of it and they move on but Phil was a, a is and still is a good lad and a good human being, so he had no problem setting Good out. captain as well, Phil Neville. He was, yeah. Well, Everton were drawn against Villarreal in, in the qualifier. I think he, even as fans, we looked at that and thought that's probably the worst draw yeah. we could get. Did you feel the same seeing yeah. that come out? Well, I, I remember being in the canteen at Belfield and we watched the draw together and Mikel was there, Mikel Arteta, and he was before it was saying anybody but Villarreal. Anybody but Villarreal will be, will be fine. And then who comes out so that's so Everton isn't it yeah. so Everton just the whole Villarreal experience yeah. it's, it's a, it, it was just a nightmare from the first leg that the, the club sold tickets on general sale away from season ticket holders and then the, Vill the Villarreal away game with, with Duncan's goal and yeah. the whole thing was a nightmare can you recall yeah. going away to Villarreal and, and Duncan's yeah. disallowed goal clean do, coming out of retirement yeah. and going back in Crazy. it's just as you say it was just like dramatic very dramatic I mean the game itself it was a fantastic atmosphere and a, yeah. a massive game and like Raquel May and Forlan and Senna and like some Sweet real team, yeah. top players, you know, and at that time. And we were a good team at that time as well. Or we felt we were a good team. And I, my recollection is both games were really tight games, yeah. really close games, really mm. competitive games, really well matched. They Very different styles players. as well, wasn't yeah, it? Very I, different. I remember that seeing that at Goodison yeah. and, and you could see the level, you know, yeah. like we, we, we thought as fans, let's just get behind these, let's make it another United yeah. at home. And, they were so composed, weren't they? You yeah. know, they were kind of we were throwing everything at them long. We equalised in both games, didn't we? Yeah. One nil behind both games, yeah. and then yeah. one one, and then the away leg we had them rocking. We did yeah. have them yeah. rocking, definitely. And that's an easy thing to say. And being Scottish, you, you tell that story a lot. You know, if one more goal, we'd been all right and stuff like that. But that generally was the the feeling at the time was, you know, they were rocking, and Duncan scored the goal, which should have stood that yeah. that didn't, and it would have been really interesting to see what developed after that because that was. You know that was even Stephen all to play for, but it was great. It was great experience, and you know, and great to be involved in games like that forever. And which you know, from where I started, where it was a relegation battle, to being involved in Champions yeah. League qualifiers, albeit we didn't make it, it was you know, it was a great sort of progression for me in my Everton career to be you know to go through that range of games. You dropped into the old, the old uh, UEFA Cup to, to play yeah. Stalo Buka. It was a Dynamo Bucharest, sorry, you played. And yeah. it seemed like everything, every time they came forward, they scored. We lost 5-1 yeah. away, 1-0 at home. That 5-1 that game away, 
Is that one of the, the worst experiences for you yeah, as Everton it was terrible. player? It was terrible. And I think there was a hangover for the Villarreal game in terms of you know the disappointment we had with that and the and the hopes and the expectations we had to be in the group stages and yeah. in the games. Then all of a sudden you're in Bucharest playing a game in a poor stadium on a dodgy yeah. pitch against a... So that was not an excuse, but a, a wee bit of background of how it turned out. And it just seemed like the momentum that was there and the hope was there really quickly had disappeared and it was all yeah. of a sudden it was back to reality. They had a 20 minute spell, didn't they, where they just scored yeah. three or four and it was they, they killed us, yeah. <laughs> well, it, that team, the team that year, and you've just kind of alluded to it there, it, in the end it was almost unrecognisable. You had yeah. Carsley who got injured, Stubbs had gone and then come back. Ferguson was kind of coming to, to the end of his uh, of his time, if you like. Marcus Bent was being left out and he, and he was eventually sold. James Beatty, Andy Andy Van der Meijer, yeah. who'd come in at the time with a bit of hype, hadn't hadn't kind of lived up to that. Um, it just kind of fizzled out. I mean, that, that four five one formation that we kind of had, that yeah. it was you know we'd become so hard to beat and break yeah. down. It just it just didn't didn't kind of yeah. It was kind of it was kind of evolving. I think the team was you know the manager would realise right we've got to build a new team here. That team's kind of come to the end of its course, and, and the disappointment the European games probably accelerated that so all of a sudden you started to you know he'd been planning and, and trying to like i need to change i need to knowing how he was he's yeah. thinking right this isn't working i need to change how can i do it and trying to phase people out and trying to get the team younger and more energy and legs and a new identity so do, do you think in a strange way that champions league qualification although you could never look at it that way do you think it come one season too early in a certain yeah. sense where if he would have had that extra season to build mm. again and 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 you know possibly work yeah like to finish fourth in that league I at know, the time it was, it was, was incredible, an yeah. incredible achievement. Yeah. So to have the chance of doing that again was for oh us yeah. was going to be yeah. really really difficult in terms of what Everton's budget and what Everton's attraction to top players was and what we could afford and mm. what we could realistically bring in. It was going to be because we were signing players from Championship. We're signing yeah. good players, you know, but yeah. we're a lot to do. So we're signing them on the way up, but you know we're not. You're not signing the finished article, so. It was um, it was a, an unbelievable achievement. So to try and do that again or or improve on that would have been really difficult. Well, you just mentioned players. We, we signed a lot of players from from the championship or players mm -hmm. that were up and coming. One player who didn't fall into that that bracket quite was Andy Van der Meijer. Yeah. Why? Why is it? I mean, there's a there's a number of obviously different stories and different perspectives uh -huh. as, as to why it didn't work for Andy. What was your take on it? Um. Very talented, obviously, and. Great quality, and when he was good, he was very good. But he was he was just a bit erratic, Andy, in yeah. terms of both day to day and uh, I think he had you know off field. He did have I think I think towards the end he had some yeah. personal problems. He did, he did, and I think that contributed to it yeah. as well. And these things are, you know, fans don't often know or or the reality of the situation. And when you're coming from different countries and settling in different places, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And in that instance, it just seemed like. He never really got settled, and he never really got any consistency. Is, is it fair to say that he didn't really see eye to eye with the senior players as well, um, from a, from a relationship perspective, or did it never really get to that? I, never I wouldn't really have said that. No, I wouldn't have said he didn't see eye to eye with them. He was he wasn't a typical that group of players. He wasn't the sort mm -hmm. of typical player yeah. who had been in that group, but he was welcomed in, and he you know yeah. was given an opportunity. But I generally think it was more off the field stuff than on the field yeah. stuff. He just never got into a rhythm of training and playing and, and doing what obviously he could do when he was at his best and he had done previously. He just never, it never worked for him at Everton and that, that's a shame but yeah. if you, yeah, in transfers, if you're getting 
one out of two, right, or even one out of three, right, you've done well. So oh, absolutely, he, he was he was one of very few that that, yeah. that that didn't really hit the heights at all all in his career. Well, we with, had Van, with Van der Meer, felt with Van der Meer, when he did play, like you say, there, David, mm. he did make a bit of a difference. Yeah. And we as fans were like, just get fit and play. Yeah. Are you the same as a teammate? Go on, come yeah, on, just because yeah. you could see it. You know, you could see it in training and seen it previously at these other clubs and internationally. He definitely had it, but Everton was. Like kind of consistency and yeah. you know every week and we would rather have a six or a seven out of ten than a nine yeah. out of ten one week and a two out of ten. It didn't really fit the dynamic of what we were at the time, so it was a bit of it was a bit of maverick really. And I mean, Graveson was probably similar yeah. in terms of how he was, mm. but he we kind of probably absorbed him better than we yeah. did Van der Meder. Yeah. I suppose he is is Graveson's poor performances, if you like, were a little bit more predictable in the mistakes he was making, wasn't mm. it? Whereas I suppose a, a Van der Meijer, yeah. you never, literally didn't know what you were going to get. Yeah. It was going to be the, the, the yeah, highs or the lows. Sad, it's a shame because he was, uh, he was obviously a really talented player. Well, speaking about players who, who eventually, I suppose, gone out, but completely, completely, di- on a completely different uh, context. That season saw Duncan Ferguson's last game. Mm-hmm. Um, he scores the Gladys Street to, to, to sign off uh, and did a lap, of, lap, of, lap <laughs> of honor with his family. Um, at the age of 34, he was retiring. Look, looking back at, I suppose, Duncan, the the highs, the the play that that he was. Mm-hmm. How would you how would you sum him up? Well, I actually made my debut against Duncan as well. So when I, my first game for Falkirk was against Dundee <laughs> United. So and, and Duncan was playing a centre forward. So I saw him right at the start. Yeah. Right at the start, he was like skinny and like a real handful, aggressive, could run like you know you've never seen him. Like it was the real deal in the game. It was Dundee United against Falkirk, and he always reminds me. It says Dundee, the um, Bayern Munich scout, was at the game watching Duncan with you to sign yeah. him as a 19 year old kid. So um, there wasn't many scouts watching me in that game. I don't <laughs> think. So he, like, that was kind of where he was. So at, at his best and on his day, he was unplayable. You know, we talk about the Man United game and yeah. some of the Derby games. When he was up for it and his body allowed, allowed him to be, he was, uh, he was sensational. Technically, he was so good in terms of his finishing, his quality and his touch and he could do the physical side of things at his best as well and in the air he was unstoppable so he just had all the attributes of you know a top number nine yeah. it just unfortunately for for him <coughs> and for us probably his body didn't allow him to do it as as often as we would have liked but when he was good he was he was very very good well that's summer 2006 Duncan retired and there's a lot of rumors in the local press that, that you were leaving Everton at Birmingham and West Brom yeah. You went down to speak to was it Steve Bruce? I spoke to Steve Bruce and Brian, Brian Robson. Robson yeah. To be honest, I'd like they and they're great people to speak to. And um, they were offered me <coughs> two-year contracts. And bearing in mind, I think Dave M- David Moyes had me on weekly contracts at that time. So <laughs> <laughs> <Page> <laughs> <of> like, <laughs> I might have been paying Evan, <laughs> but so I was at the stage in my career where it was. But David always said to me, "No, we want you to stay. We don't want you to leave." But I was getting in Birmingham and were throwing the kitchen sink at. We saying, "We'll put your kids in." private school will give you a bot we'll, you know they were desperate to yeah. and that's nice you know yeah. it's nice to hear and, you know Steve Bruce and Brian Robson are good guys persuasive guys and people you'd want to play for so yeah. it was a really tough decision like and um, Brian Robson came to my house and I had a cup of tea with him and you know they made a real effort I went to Steve Bruce's house and you know, I'm made getting the most the of this, didn't you, David? Getting the most out of the hospital. I just couldn't do it. I wasn't yeah. ready. To, uh, as I said, it just didn't feel right. It w- like financially, it was right, and probably length of contract, it was right. But I just didn't feel I was ready to leave Everton at that time. So I just I ended up probably pissed them off by by <laughs> saying no. But I just 
Like I'm, I'm very like that. I know, yeah. I know when I'm, I'm ready to do something. Mm. I wasn't ready. Well, you signed a one-year deal in 2006, uh, and if Pierre called up and Matteo Ferrari couldn't take your place, Julian yeah. Ascot did when he came in. Yeah. Could you see how good Julian was straight yeah, away? He was. He was like Julian was a different level, and probably um, that's when I realised you know the bar was getting raised. I always fancied my chances, and but to be fair to Julian, Julian played at left back for a bit, and yeah. you know he was he was coming in and had to earn these stripes as well, and had to get used to Everton, what Everton expected, and but the bar was going up and I was obviously getting older as well so I realised that probably I wasn't the player I was I was and you know <coughs> realism's got to kick in at some point but and when the Rangers thing came up that was like that was like the right time and the right opportunity yeah. for me so it probably suited everyone Just before the Rangers deal happened were you frustrated at Everton because yeah. you were up the side was it time yeah. to leave for you? I, w I didn't want to leave really because I, I didn't have somewhere to go to that was convinced you know it made me want to go and I always remember like I had a young family at the time and so if I, on the Friday the manager would name the team and you wouldn't be on the team and you'd be disappointed then you go to the game on Saturday you might be on the bench and you're watching the game and they win or they lose and you're still involved in it but it's, it's mm. not the same and every player will tell you the same you try yeah. and be happy and you try and be sad or you try yeah. but it's not the same if you've not got that involvement so I'd always go in on the Sunday and Baz the physio would be in on the Sunday and I'd always do my weights and then I'd go on the running machine and then I'd feel like I'd done something. Yeah. And then the Monday comes around and the dis like I'd feel like I'd got rid of my disappointment on the Sunday. And then the Monday I was ready to go again. And then players will tell you, it comes to the Friday, you've still got your hopes and your expectations. And then manager names the team, you're not on the team. And that was the first time it really happened to me. Yeah. In my career, I'd always been in the team. I'd always yeah. been playing other than injury. So like you take it personally and all of a sudden you're going, I might have to think about leaving. I don't really want it, but it looks like I'm not going to get that opportunity. So it's how long you leave it. And at my age, I've, I didn't have long left. Was David Moyes good with you about, about letting you go? Or was, did he yeah, want, he was want you to stay? He, he said to me, you know, you've, you're welcome to stay here. I, I want you here as, as long as you want to be here. And then when Rangers came in, he, like that was the one time. There was other opportunities, but that was the one time where I said, I want to go. And he said, right, we'll make it happen. We won't be hard to deal with. Yeah, it's obviously a massive affection for Everton, and this is a predominantly yeah. Everton show. But you're a Rangers fan. You, you yeah. signed for Rangers on a six-month deal, stayed there four and a half years. Yeah. What was it like to, to to go and sign for your, your boyhood? It club, was you exactly that. You know, I'd had my career. I played for my local team. I played for Hearts, which was a great club. I played for my country. I came down to England. I played for Everton, which I had eight years there almost, which felt yeah. like like Everton's my club now. You know, yeah. I've, I'm still relatively local in there. I'm still coming to the games. I still come into Liverpool and see the fans. So that Everton's been a big, big part of my life and, and I love going back. But Rangers was the team I grew up supporting. Yeah. You can't get away from that. You yeah. know, you, you know, it's quite clear what, what team you still have supporting. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's going to be with you for life. And that yeah. was the same at Rangers. So to get that opportunity was, that was like the icing on the cake. And as you said, I thought it was six months and winding down at the end of my career, but turned into being four and a half, five years of you know, fighting for titles. It also ended up extending your, your Scotland yeah, career as well, didn't yeah, it? You're, you're still the oldest player to, to, to represent yeah. Scotland, which is which is incredible, yeah. really. I, I mean, you'd be surprised that in this day and age if that was ever beaten. Yeah, yeah. I know. And playing the Champions League and winning leagues and playing in cup finals. and Your football you know, writers player of the year as well, wasn't yeah. you? Yeah. Age 40. And I, I must have played like 30 or 40 games in Europe. Yeah. You know, Champions League, Europa League and different things and probably played in half a dozen cup finals and as you say, won awards and you know, you really at the stage I went up, you could never have seen that coming. So I was so fortunate. So I was going to say, I'm quite inter interested to know what you think that that was down to. Really, so is it you yeah. know your diet, the way you exercise, not drinking? Um, what I think it's down to the manager. Having a manager who trusts in you. I think when you 
get to 34, 35, 36, 37, managers automatically think he's on his way down. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to cover for him. I'm going to have to um, yeah. worry about him. He's to protect him with other players, yeah. maybe. But but, and Walter did, but Walter protected him in the, the way he set the team up and the way we were as a team. So he, I think he understood my qualities and um, he, he set the team up to probably suit me, if I'm being honest. And that prolonged, hopefully I repaid him in terms of we were getting results. But when I went up to Rangers, we were third in the league, fighting for second. Not dissimilar to recently, really. Mm. Third in the league fighting for second and success for us was finishing second in the league which meant we qualified for the Champions League qualifiers so that was a starting point Walter coming back in and then from there when I left we'd won three leagues in a row we'd won the majority cups and you know we were on the we were in a really good position so the, like the actual from start to finish was a great a great experience and a real so I hate journey I hate that word journey but it was a hate yeah. it was a real kind of trajectory of an upward trajectory where he involved a massive club, 50,000 people, European games, Celtic games, feeling like you're, you know, you're, you're right in amongst it. So it was, it was an unbelievable experience for me as a, did, as did a you, football Did you train less or anything between games? Or I trained more. I think that's yeah. a mistake older players make yeah. in terms of, it's how you train and when you train. Yeah. But you've got, you, what you lose is your strength, you lose your power. So you've got to work on your, p in my opinion, you've got to work on your power. You've got to make sure your legs are strong. Yeah. I lived, I did all the things yeah. well, but I did that anyway. You know, yeah. I did that, as I said. Did you ever do any yoga? Because I know no, Giggs I and Gerard. Yoga, I know, I no. hate yoga. <laughs> 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 I tried it, because like you, probably you've heard everybody saying it prolongs their career, but I tried yeah. it. and wasn't for you. wasn't it for me. Too, tall, too tall for yoga. <laughs> yeah, I just used to train hard. I loved training, and I loved, yeah. I loved the competitive side of it, and I loved working hard, I loved sweating, and I loved being in amongst the lads. So that was, Walter would always say to me, look, I'm playing a game on Saturday and I get a train back down here, which was great as well. So I'd get away from Glasgow because Glasgow is a massive goldfish bowl. Mm. So he, to get away from it is a relief. And he'd mm. say, come back Thursday. And I'd be like, I can't come back Thursday. Like the lads would be going, Where, where's where's the captain? You know, we're yeah, up training. No, and they wouldn't have because like, I had a great relationship with them. But I'd come back up Monday or Tuesday and I'd train Tuesday and maybe go home Wednesday and come back Thursday. Stuff yeah. like that. So, he looked after me and gave gave me a lot of trust, both in terms of um, how I conducted myself away from the place, but also in the in the training ground. He, he gave me the respect of captain, and hopefully I kind of helped also, him with that with the dressing room as well. You also strike me as someone who probably played with a knock and kept that to yourself, yeah. and you know, for that point of view, um, where some players, you know, slightest knock they get, yeah. they like to. Take I think that's. Definitely, the my generation of players, you know, what you played with, and you don't want to sound like a, a bitter old ex-pro, but <laughs> you did because you're scared to lose your spot. Yeah. You didn't want to go out of the team. Yeah. And then you wouldn't get your chance back. So I can, other than that one season at Everton when I had the medial injury, and you don't choose to be injured, obviously, but there's some things probably you, you think you can't play with, but in reality you probably can. Yeah. Even as a Rangers fan, does anything prepare you for playing in an old firm game? No, it was it's surreal to be honest in terms of and it's not like the game itself's a game. It's the build up to the game. And mm. that I think that's the bit that the players and the staff can find hard this the old so there's an old firm game this weekend and the build up started. Yeah. It's actually started before the last game. So it's all about <coughs> who's injured, who's who's going to be available, who they're going to bring in and what's happening. So it's the actual build up. So you can you can actually play the game before the game starts. Yeah. So it's just actually dealing with all the the press and the tickets and the 
Like in Glasgow, you go to a petrol station and they're like, you better win on Sunday, you better win on Sunday. You, go and get your, and you know, you go do your shop and it's like, you better win on Sunday, big game. And, you know, so you'd never actually get away from it. It's, it's hard to explain. It's not like people always compare the Liverpool games and to the Glasgow yeah. in terms of derbies. And yeah, I don't want to be disrespectful of the... Yeah, you know the derby here because it's a, an, an unbelievable game. There's more a hope you win though. It was not you better win. Th- well, <laughs> yeah. that's what it's like up there. It's so like, like a threat in it's it. Per- it's, yeah. it's personal. It's yeah. the, the, the points mean more up there as well. It's first and second, isn't it? Most of the teams the points mean more as well. Yeah, That's how it works. So there's no and the, the seats are there as equals. You know, so it's genuine. It's your first or your last, and that's how it works. You know, if you're Maybe you'll get away with saying one season, but the next yeah. season, if you're not, then... Just, the just on that note, obviously, mostly it'll be Evertonians listening to this, but we probably will also have some Liverpoolians listening as well. So do you think that environment's good for Stephen Gerrard and his managerial career? Would you say that's too soon? or? Um, I think it's good for him, because clearly he's competitive by <coughs> nature, so yeah. he'll, he'll enjoy that. He'll enjoy the challenge. He'll enjoy the, um, the buzz that it gives him to win. And he'll, although he'll not enjoy it, he'll understand the how painful the defeats are so I think if you've got a competitive nature you yeah. get your adrenaline going so it is a big job though isn't it it's a massive job yeah. and they're, they're you know they're fighting with one hand tied behind their back mm. in a certain respect in terms yeah. of their finances compared to Celtic's finances mm. so he's playing catch up do you rate the job he's doing so far he has but as I said Rangers is second 10 points behind Celtic so he's done a great job but the fans still, are going to look still at not living up to the expectation of what they or, or what they, they want or what they need. The from fans, that respect, I've been there, I've been there as a coach, yeah. and I know what it's like. Re- like realism doesn't play a part. <laughs> it's all about well, we're, we're saying we've no won the cup, so you know that that's the bottom line. That's how it works, and it's it's harsh. It's, yeah. Really harsh place to be. When you played in the old fame games, you came up against Thomas Gravison when he was yeah. playing for Celtic. Any funny stories about playing playing against Thomas? Yeah, we played. Um, I remember walking out in the tunnel and like you walk out of the tunnel in a Rangers game, Rangers Celtic game, you don't look at the opposition, you don't shake hands with the opposite captain, you don't get involved in any shape or form. That's just kind of one of the unwritten rules. Respect for the fans. Yeah, it's just like one of the unwritten rules. So I walk out, first game and he's like, hey mate, (laughs) like that's how he's, hey mate, how you doing? How you doing? Are you enjoying it? It's in the tunnel, is it? It's in the tunnel and I'm like just blanking him, just no... (laughs) Not looking at him, <laughs> not getting involved with him. And it's me, it's me. Yeah, how you remember? <laughs> but I just that—that's just the way it was. And then at half time, he's coming in, and I got back into the dressing room, and Barry Ferguson comes in. Go, what about what about your mate Gravison? I looked at him and said, "He sent me, go ahead, Barry. Barry, do you know any good restaurants in Glasgow?" <laughs> and Barry's going, "Is he fucking like me? Is, is he serious? Is, he, is that how he is?" I'm like, "Oh, you don't know half of it." But that's how he was, and I think, well, I know he drew. Gordon Strachan, the distraction, just the way his personality and his character yeah. and stuff, and how he was. Because <coughs> in Glasgow, you're like, you've got to play the part. You know, you've got to be mm. like ultra professional. And you know, if you if you're not, then very quickly you can get annihilated. At the end of your Rangers career, you, you came back to, to Everton as a coach. I think yeah. you the academy, but you were also registered as a player. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I played in a um, a lot of the 23s games. Stubbs, he was a coach, and I came into to help him really. David Moyes has said to me for a couple of years, you know, when you finish, um, I want you to come back as a coach. And and I was like, yeah, I'm not ready to finish yet. I'm not ready to finish yet. And even when I finished at Rangers, I kind of half thought about going and playing, um, even in the lower leagues down here. But I kind of went to a couple of places and trained and stuff. And I was like, this isn't really going to be for me. Mm. So I says, I'll take you up on that offer. So I came in 
and it was, as you said, I was playing in the twenty threes, and it was, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I was playing with, like, it'd be Shane Duffy and um, yeah. Eric Dyer and um, who else? Ross Barkley. And Mustafi was Mustafi there. No, he was gone. I think he, he was, was gone. gone point, yeah. But it was like a real good crop. Luke Garbett, Jake Bidwell, mm. and was Connor McLean was there. Connor yeah. was there. Yes, yeah. so it was a real good group of players. So I was, like, trying to help them playing in the games as well as you know, coaching and and helping yeah. Stubbsy during the week. So. It was a great experience for me, and I was actually speaking to somebody today. My last game, I'll never forget it, my last game was at the Liverpool training ground, and I was probably 41, maybe even 42 at the time, and playing an under-23s game <laughs> at the, <laughs> at the Liverpool Academy, <laughs> and Raheem Sterling was playing another team. I just <laughs> thought, it's time to hang up the rest. Because <laughs> I was never the quickest, but I, I can't remember being that slow as a fellow that day. I think you were full-time coach then, the, the following season, and then David Moyes left Everton, and... I think you interviewed for the for the job, did you? Yeah, I think pretty much all of us interviewed for the job, to be honest. I think Bill Kenwright's very clever in terms of, I think Stubbsy did. Um, Phil Neville did, did he? Phil yeah. Neville did, yeah, and obviously external candidates as well. Yeah. So I think they were just keeping people sweet. I mean, realistically, was I qualified to get the Everton job at the time? Probably not. Would I loved it? Definitely. And mm. who knows what would have happened? I'm sure Stubbsy and Phil said the same thing in terms of you know you'd love to get the opportunity and you'd love to mm. um get that chance went to meet bill and had a good chat with him over a couple of hours and like bill is everton so yeah you know you just try and make your pitch and, and try <laughs> and make yourself as attractive as you can i can imagine him. bill wanting someone like he was stubbs yeah. to get the job as well I th i'm not sure bill <coughs> knew what he wanted you know i think he was you know i think he was he's very emotional bill isn't he he's, yeah. very, he's got everton at heart so it's always going to be <coughs> You know, a bit of both involved. I think it had to be the right decision for Everton, and and it had to sit right with Bill as well. So mm. there's probably a lot of factors, and I'm sure it was really difficult for him to um, to make that decision. But ultimately, it wasn't a, it wasn't me. So yeah. Well, Roberto came in, and eventually he, he tore the whole thing up. But Moyes had built the defensive yeah. stability, would sort of uh -huh. wean out. But when you interviewed for the job, were you sort of thinking this doesn't need tearing up? It just yeah. needs. That was kind of my my idea at the time was. Yeah. You know, it's not really broken. I don't yeah. think we need to fix it. We maybe just need to, you know, continue it and improve it where we can. But probably at the time, the Evertonians and Everton as a club were thinking, right, we need some new. We maybe need to be a bit more attractive. We maybe need to. We've been through that stage where we're quite pragmatic, quite hardworking, mm. quite dogged. Now we maybe need to be a bit more sort of open, a bit more expansive, a bit more exciting. And um, I think Roberto fitted that bill probably. How did the Sheffield United move happen as manager? Um, I got approached, to be honest, just to see if I'd be interested. Went, um, had an interview down in London, and I was pretty much offered the job straight away. And <coughs> obviously, um, excited to get the chance to go and be manager. Mm. Just being a coach and working day to day with players, really enjoyed it, and working with good players at Everton, and, and loved the games and loved the competitive nature of that. And then Sheffield United came around, and I went in and had a pre-season there, and then really difficult, found out what being a manager is really about, um, thrown in at the deep end and a really good club. Um, big, big club, aren't they, Sheffield? Big club, yeah. in, a, in a difficult time at the time, just <coughs> missed out in promotion and then kind of downscaled and the idea was to bring younger players and more attractive style of football, a bit like Everton at the time, try to get more attractive style of football and we, di we didn't get results, you know, ultimately yeah. we didn't get results, I was there probably three or four months and, you know, very quickly I was, I was out of work and Welcome to management. Yeah. 
no judge. He, or, well, judge is an, an A licensed coach and he, he loves talking, coaching and, and, and managerial stuff, don't you? So well leave no, this bit I, to I you. I was just <laughs> interested for you to, to hear a little bit more about your, your current role at, mm-hmm. at Brighton because it, it's, I suppose it's, I mean, you lose to it before that they haven't got, haven't got your equivalent and, and mm-hmm. I suppose with, with the way that the, the game's going now, it, it's certainly more a role that's more, yeah. more, more important, isn't it? It is. And I, like I've been a manager and I've been an assistant manager at Brentford Rangers, yeah. um, Nottingham Forest. So, you know, I've had good experience at good clubs, and my role now. So I'm, it's called pathway development manager is my title, which is basically looking after the loan players, and organising or, or being involved in organising where they're going and and managing them while they're out there. And we at Brighton have got probably 20 players out on loan at different levels, and I've travelled all over. You know, they're over Europe, South America, um, the UK, and you're actually going and meeting these players, monitoring how they're doing, seeing how they're doing off the field and, and just catching up with them and passing on your experiences and speaking to their manager, speaking to their agent and, and just getting as much background as you can on them. So it's almost like a role that's I feel is undervalued because mm-hmm. the, you know these players are your players of the future. Yeah. So if you can prepare them or you can um, help them and or accelerate that, then it's a, it's a really valuable job for the club. And more and more clubs are doing it. Man City have done it for years. Chelsea, Liverpool do it. And, um, it's Chris Sutton at Chelsea, is that right? Um, no, it's... Um, Chris, Sutton? Chris Sutton? Chris Sutton? Chris Sutton do it for someone? Well, he's he's, he's only Sports, isn't he? Who is it that... Someone else at Chelsea? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm There's a few... Paula Ferreira does it, I think, and Tori Andrew Flo and... It must be for your development as a coach as well, though. It, it's still ideal, isn't it? Because you're getting out and watching different clubs. Yeah, you, you stay and you're keeping your finger on the pulse in yeah, terms of definitely. different, it's a, it's a great different teams. It's different involvement because it's not coaching as such. The role could potentially involve coaching at the start of the season of a group yeah, of players yeah. if there's a group who, who need coach and they're not 23s players and not first team players. So that's yeah. is potential for that to happen, and that would be great. But the other side of it, you know, the business side of it, the, you know, the actually finding the right clubs, the strategic bit in terms of what that player needs at that time and the negotiation of the deal and, and make sure it's right for club and player and, and everyone involved. So there's a, there's a lot of different aspects in it and it's, it's really interesting for me because it's not something I've really um, done in my previous roles in football. So I'm learning, which is always good. I'm, I'm kind of pushing my out of my comfort zone, pushing my, my boundaries. and Well, well for I'm you as well, obviously, looking at your career, and, and it's quite obvious, you, you, you were never that player who went in, was in that category of, of going out on loan or even yeah. almost being considered exactly, for that. Yeah. So what, what <coughs> what's your thoughts in general on you know the loan system and, and how it should be used at, at a youth level? I think it's a really important middle ground from for now. Premier League clubs, because the bar's getting higher every year, we're... We're improving the quality. We're bringing in better players from. It's a world league now, the Premier League. So to come from an academy, 18s, even 23s, mm. into the first team is a really big jump, and it's a really difficult move to make. And I think we can count in one hand the number of players that have done it um, over the last few years. So that usually there's got to be, unless you're exceptional or, or lucky, or a manager's got no other option than to put you in, then it's very rare you get that opportunity. So there seems to be there's got to be a middle ground whereby players go and learn their trade, they go and grow up as, as people, as human beings, and, and learn to cope with the disappointments, make the mistakes at other places, and then come back a bit more polished and a bit more ready for, for what the Premier League is. And we at Brighton, you know, Brighton's expanding as a club, Brighton's getting better as a club, we're improving the quality every transfer window of the first-team squad. So the, mm. you know, the younger players have got to catch that, they've got to bridge that, and they've got to 
they've got to keep up with that. So it's it's a really I, I'm very passionate about it. I'm very you know motivated by it and very interested in it. And I I'm really enjoying the role. I, I love the club. It's a great club. It's a there's good people um, from top to bottom and you know day in day out. I, I enjoy being there. W- was it Chris Hutton who got you in? It, was wa- it, it wasn't as it? such. It was more a club appointment, yeah. you know, because Chris is obviously first team manager, yeah, and, yeah. and that's his remit, and that's his. Just wondered if there was any background in terms of yeah, you. No, you not in Chris. Chris no, it was, it was more a club appointment. But obviously, spoken to Chris, and and obviously, I mean, he's done. He's in the someone game. whose stock is, is is rising season on season. Yeah. What what's your what's your take on on how he's on the job? He, I mean, obviously, he's done a great job. I mean, he took yeah. over Brighton, and I think they were second bottom of the championship, and that was four years ago, and now. You know, we're still got need a few points in the Premier League this year, but hopefully getting towards some the similarities with David Moyes as well, isn't it? In terms of the way he's gone about it, and, yeah. and you're talking about him picking up a few players every season, yeah. never, never making massive wholesale changes, yeah. kind of keeping that span of the no, team and, and pragmatic and yeah. good values and hard works. You know, a, a massive part of what he does and, and what he preaches and what he does personally as well. So, you know, there's no rocket science or necessarily smoke and mirrors to what he does. It's just good values and it's a good it's culture. It's not the first time he's taken New, a, a team through the league. He's done a great job at Newcastle when they were in trouble, yeah. He's yeah. done, he's, I mean, if you actually look back at where he's been and what he's done, he's... Very underrated. Isn't very underrated and, and had great yeah. longevity, you know, which is difficult in, in this day and age. Well, listen, on, on that level, it's, it's great to hear you still making an impact <laughs> in the game and I'm sure that we'll see you at some point try make that step again and, and, and hopefully this time it's the right job for you and, uh, and for, uh, for that club in particular yeah. as well. Oh, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, to be honest. I'm not looking for another job. <laughs> well, uh, by the sounds of you going <laughs> out to South America and you come back. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want that job. No, I mean, no, it's, it's got gone sorry, b- Before we do it, I'm, I'm going to put you massively on the spot. Oh. I'm going to ask you to, uh, to, to give me uh, your best Everton 11. No, should I we do it on social media maybe on the board should we, should we get them to write it after yeah that's okay give it, give yeah, it a spend few minutes, five minutes doing your all time otherwise you'll play. regret something you'll make a decision yeah, no, oh, make oh, a why is the put him in there I'll leave some dirt yeah oh, no. I mean Dave from me and Judge you wear the two blues here Phil's the reds I mean we grew up and we born in the 80s so we seen you in the 90s and the 2000s captain yeah. Everton score you know important goals for Everton so it's been an honour to have you in whoever said don't meet your heroes is a liar ah. we, we really appreciate you coming in David thanks very much no it's been great I've like for the moment I came to Everton I've felt part of it I really have and like I, I genuinely love the club I love going back um, I try and preach to my kids that they've got to support Everton which is sometimes is a bit harder than <laughs> you know with other teams that are out there now but I've had great memories of Everton I love going back and you know, I'd, I'll always, it'll always be a big part of my life. Oh, that's amazing to you. Thanks again, David. Thanks again, David. Cheers.